Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get started, wanted to remind you all to subscribe, like, and follow at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social medias, including YouTube and Twitch, where fully edited vodcasts are housed with exclusive clips. Remember, the more followers we get, the more we can give back to the goalkeeping community. Let's all keep paying that knowledge forward, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. With me, you know him as the number one fan of Dunder Mifflin, the one and only Las Vegas Lights goalkeeper coach, Omar Zini. Drinking, is that coffee or is that water there, Omar? It's coffee. It's coffee. We just, we had a session today uh, and I wanted to uh, make sure I was on point for this uh, interview. So I'm ready to go. I mean, honestly, we were talking about this off the air and everything like that. But uh, Omar, our, our our guest panelist today, you were honestly very legitimately excited when I mentioned that he was coming on. Honestly, you said this was a safe space, and it's already started. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I, I, this we're, 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 this is an absolute treat, guys. Uh, Gotham FC goalkeeper coach Daniel Ball <laughs> is joining us uh, today. Uh, Dan, honestly, man, we we are really excited. I've been watching your stuff. Uh, just next level stuff, man. And, uh, you know, obviously before we go into the kind of the topic today, uh, you even kind of posted about this recently, you know, um, in your social media, it's been a whirlwind for you, man, the last couple of years, you know, from, from moving over to the, the States, you know, getting the college gig and, and now being in the pro game. Yeah. It's, um, you've done your digging, huh? Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's been, it's been, a it's been a crazy it's been a crazy 10 years I've been in the country. I came out in August 2011. I went to a small school in East Tennessee and played soccer and, and had a great time. And coaching wasn't ever really something that I wanted to do. And then um, the last five years has been crazy. I've been coaching, um, yeah, five years. And in those five years, I've worked at three different schools and I have the privilege of working for Gotham. So kind of mind-blowing when I, when I step back and think about some of the people I've had the privilege of interacting with and kind of leaning on to get to this place. But super 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 grateful to be here and hopefully i can bring some value to the, the incredible women i get to work with i mean dude i think you've been bringing absolutely tremendous value i mean just one of the things is is that when you know that you're doing something right when you bring up somebody's name outside of just omar getting all excited sure. uh but just yeah. you know other people in the goalkeeping community you know and they have a certain level you you can tell you know when people when people respect what you're doing based on kind of their body language after you mention sure. a name. And you can also tell when they don't respect what yeah. you're doing based on their body language. And, and with you, obviously it's, it's, it's the, uh, it's the previous one. I almost said the latter, but I realized that that was the bad <laughs> thing. So I was thinking I, the latter. I was thinking <laughs> the latter. So, Oh yeah. man. No, Mike, um, and I think just to, to echo that too, I think, you know, where people who are in the goalkeeping community, uh, like Mike said, we know the the real people from the pretenders. We know people who are just kind of mailing it in, um, you know, creating sessions just to create sessions. Uh, but actually, people who create sessions that build off one another, or you know, have those you know co- uh, conversations with the head coach and say, "Hey, what are we working on today with the first team? Perfect. Okay, let me let me implement some layer of you know form of that into the session, and the transition is easy." So I think it's like there's certain coaches who again mail it in, um, sure. and every time we've I brought up your name, um, it seems like you know again. That mutual respect of like this guy is going to do whatever it takes to make sure the goalkeepers are taken care of, but also too that he's you know uh, serving them in the way that uh, they feel like this coach is for them. You know what I mean? So again, oh, it's it's that. exciting. Yeah. Thank you. 
Yeah, you know, and I think actually one of the really cool things about having both of you guys on together at the same time is you all you're both, you know, going kind of through the same journey at the same time, which is both, you know, Omar obviously recently got into the professional game with Las Vegas Lights and 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 Dan Congrats. obviously you with, with Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's exciting. It's definitely uh like I told Mike it's it's different than college. I think in college you have so many games in quick succession and then obviously you have the springtime where you can get a, you know, good amount of training in and get the goalkeepers who are let's say the second choice, third choice, even the first choice the priorities of what they need to develop. Um, but in, in the pro game, it's a lot more training sessions, a lot more time in between games. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But it, and it's, and it's an exciting time too. Cause I mean, I think that's where I think we as coaches from like, for me, at least the private sector of development, I, I always put sessions together. Like we work on specific topics and that's what I tell the guys. Now I said, look early in the week, I want you guys to tell me specific topic sessions that you guys want to work on. I'll put those together. And then later on in the week, obviously we're going to, you know, tailor towards the scouting report who we're playing against. But of course, I want to make sure every single week early on when we have more training time, I want to get to things that you, you're trying to focus on as an individual. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and by the way, Dan, feel free to step in any time you want. You can make fun of Omar. You can <laughs> complain the fact the fact that Saskia is not here. Anything like that. Um, but but I do want to talk about this with with you, Dan. I, I think uh, one of the things that I was talking about with Omar, you know, off the air, is that when you get into that professional environment, the number one thing that you need to do coming in from the collegiate environment is you need to kind of gain the respect of the professional players because you're no longer now, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, an elder, but more, sure. you're now you're now more not not that you're you know the, you know 18 years old or anything like that, but you know you're closer in age. And they're, you're dealing with adults as opposed to children, you know, um, you know, and college guys, I'm sure, or women are going to say, you know, they're not children. But you, you know what I mean? It's still it's not it's the highest level of the youth game. I'd look at it that way. Sure, um, I'll, be, I'll be candid with you. Right. And when when this job popped up and the way it came around, um, I, it wasn't a job that I'd ever kind of thought about. I was really happy. I just moved to Iowa State from Bowling Green with Matt and um and Jill sent me a text and um, the, that was one of the first things that I thought was, hold up, Carly Lloyd's on this team and she's 10 years older than I am. Um, <laughs> and as, as I got to Wikipedia and I did some research, you know, Dee Dee and I are the same age. Uh, Kaylin's 25, I think Stu's 25, Mandy's 22. Uh, you look at the rest of the team and we got, we got, some, we got some, some experienced players in our team that have played at the national team level. You know, Carly obviously won um, two-time World Player of the Year, and, and that was intimidating. That was really intimidating. Um, and I was actually just talking to my roommate about it today. The, the group of women that I have the privilege of working with have helped me transition into this environment fantastically. That they've welcomed me with with open arms, and that's that that's been massive. I mean, I think that's that's absolutely fantastic to hear that. You know, I mean, Omar, obviously, you know, similar situation for you. You step into the boat. You know, you got a lot of these young men here who aren't much younger than you. And, yeah. you know, I, I know one one of the things that obviously was something that you were concerned about, you know, stepping into that professional environment um, was the fact that you hadn't played, you know, at the professional level. You know, was that difficult for you, you know, to kind of step in and be like, OK, you know what? I think, you know, I, I feel like uh, I they might be a little concerned that, you know, I haven't been in their shoes before or whatever. Or was it was it pretty easy to, to kind of um, assimilate? Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously um, I've expressed this to you. It's it's a little bit more difficult because we have LAFC as our affiliate. So there's the second team goalkeeper is essentially the second goalkeeper for the first team. So that's been the most difficult part for me is I don't get to see him that often. 
and I can't really build a rapport with him, you know, and that's been the difficult aspect for me of like, you know, I don't know his tendencies. I don't know what he likes before games. I mean, he tells me, but I haven't experienced it enough for me to uh, to do that. So I think that's been the hardest part for me. Other than that, though, I think, you know, Mike, with your advice and other people's advice, it's, you know, as long as you bring to a session ideas that are going to obviously prepare them for the game, but that they feel that they have reached out to you and said, hey, I want to work on this and you're listening to them and you want to improve them. then I think for me, that's kind of taken away the not playing pro, but more so how can I be of service to you to make you a better player? And then obviously add a little bit more here and there. But yeah, it's, for me, it's been, it was mentally hard to assimilate, but now that I'm there and really immersed in it, I think it's a lot easier than I thought it was. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Omar here. I uh, When I got here, I moved here on January the 1st. And one of the first things that I did was was take each of uh, the women that I worked with out for coffee. And it was really important for them to learn a little bit about my story, right? I'm 28. Coaching wasn't something that I've had this yearning to do. I kind of fell into it and, and love it. Um, but it's been it's been an absolute whirlwind and, and to the point of, like never playing pro, I played at an NAIA school and then coached at an NAIA school, two NAIA schools. Um, and I'm, I'm really forthright with the fact that I and look at Kaylin and say, hey, I've never been to an Olympics and there's a decent chance as a player, I'm never going to go to an Olympics. <laughs> um, you know, we, we are fortunate enough to play our games at Red Bull Arena now. And um, I've never played a game in a facility like that. And I think being really forthright and say that I'm kind of on this adventure with you and I will lean on the people that I can lean on to continue to advise you. But there are going to be times that I don't have an answer and I, I will seek out the answer to help you. A little vulnerability goes a long, long way. Yeah. You know, I think, I think, you know, Dan, I think, you know, have, have, being that humble and having that vulnerability and being willing to be secure with the fact that, you know, you know, you never played in a World Cup. You know, you you haven't been in front of, you know, 75,000 people sure. and had the, the weight of your your entire nation on your shoulders, that sort of a thing, which, you know, very few people in the world have. 0.000001% of all goalkeepers will ever experience that. You know, the majority of goalkeeper coaches are going to come from an experience level like yourself. Sure. And I want a lot of young goalkeeper coaches out there to understand because this is something that Omar was very concerned about when he began his coaching journey is, how can I ever coach at that level if I never played at that level? You know, and you both too are two testaments about the fact that, you know, to be a teacher has nothing to do with what level you played at. It's about, do you understand the game? It's about, can you, you know, converse information, you know, to people in a way that they understand it, you know, can you make them better? Um, can you be supportive? Uh, can you give them the skill sets that they need? You know, yeah, and I, I want a lot of young coaches out there, out there to hear that. And I think too, it's it's like uh, for me at least, you know, it's it's I don't know. I used to always try to fit into like this specific image of how people were, you know, thinking of coaches. And I think after a while, you start to realize, okay, what makes you special is is the way that you interpret the game, the way that you can filter out what's important to you and what's not, and then also take in new information. And I feel like you know, our coach is Steve Tarundolo, who's played in a few World Cups. And just how he communicates with the players, I admire it. And I'm just like, okay, well, if you played in that position, you have all this stuff in your head that maybe you can communicate to me and I'm willing to learn. So I'm literally asking him all these questions of like, hey, this guy had a, you know, a little issue the other day. Do I just let it happen? And then maybe if I see a pattern, then bring it up. Or do I stop it right away? Then he starts to overthink it. So he gave me really good advice. And I just said, oh, my God, okay, I never thought of it that way. But then now I'm able to communicate that because for me, it was just like, I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to be a sponge and get the answers from other people. 
Yeah. You know, and I, I, I'm gl- and I'm glad that you bring you bring that up about being a sponge from other people. I mean, Dan, you mentioned you mentioned Jill, you know, right there yeah. uh, in, oh, yeah. in regards to, you know, how you found out in regards to about the job opening and all of that sort of thing. I mean, to have a resource of somebody who played at that level and also is a dynamite coach in her in her own right, you know, so nearby and and, and you know, and you being humble enough to being like, you know what? I'm going to, go, I'm going to talk. I'm going to ask Jill. I'm going to ask so-and-so, you know, um, because obviously she has a rapport with Kaylin sure. that you didn't have before because you hadn't been in the environment yet. Yeah. It's been um, testament to Jill, to be fair. It's uh, Jill is an hour and 20 minutes away. And she, I think has been really intentional about um, kind of removing herself and let me figure it out. But similarly uh, over, you know, every few weeks touching base to see how things are and see how she can, uh, assist me and and she obviously like has a vested interest in Kaylin's progression and um, she was kind enough to to attest to me prior to my getting here I hope that she would still continue to attest to that um, <laughs> but there there are a host of people that I I um, lean on Jill Jill has been stellar Lloyd uh, um, basically everyone you've had on here uh, yeah. at some point has, has been huge you know Lloyd uh, at the Pride has been massive Rade has been massive Aaron Hard has been massive uh, it was a year and a half ago that I had the the privilege of sitting with Tim. Uh, at a Man City game, just picking his brain, and it was mind blowing. Anthony White and I talk a lot. Matt Doyle, uh, all of these people um, who who coach at the most elite levels uh, are really forthcoming with their time and uh, are willing to to get on the phone and kind of bounce ideas back and forth and give me a hard time. And I I am it's not lost on me that um, they are a huge reason as to the reason I have the privilege of working with the women I get to work with every day. And yeah. Mike, just, Go ahead, Omar. Dan, I kind of, I mean, I, I again, pick your brain too, but like, has it, have you found that like uh, at the beginning and I'm sure obviously you've grown accustomed to the personalities right. and, the, and the, the people on the team. I think for me, at least I'll speak to myself. It's like what Ian Foyer one time told me, he said, yeah, it was a great opportunity. I was working with the national team, but obviously you want to make sure you're not overcorrecting and just yeah. trying to, you know, show what you know. And, and when the, when the points aren't there, um, but at the same time, he's like, one of the reasons why I feel Tim Howard and I had such a great experience is because when I was working with him, I actually, I actually wanted to coach him. And he sure. said that he pretty much told him, he was like, the fact that you weren't afraid to coach me is why I respected you. So for you, have you, was that like that fine balance of like, you want to come in and make an impression, but at the same time too, you want to make sure that, uh, not overcorrecting and also too, you're not just there to, you know, strike balls, but you're actually there to coach. And when you see something, you're not afraid to speak up. Yeah, I, um, I have a couple of examples of this, right? I have been walking this fine line of recognizing that the four women that I get to work with directly on the field uh, are there for a reason. And their reason is that they put in a bunch of work. They've received some really good information prior and I don't want to screw it up from. Um, but similarly, I, as I spent more, that, that was a fear of mine coming in is that how would I make someone better? Uh, if you If you play at this level, how could you get better? And really quickly, I realize that there are spaces and places that all four of the women I get to work with can get better. Uh, and and they 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 yearn for that. Uh, one of our assistants, Becca Morris, when I took this job, she called me and she said, Dan, um, all of the women, I promise you on our team, doesn't matter what level they've played at, how old they are, they crave information. They crave information. They crave being challenged. They want to be coached. They want to get better. Um, and from the youngest player on our team, which is Mandy McGlynn out of Virginia Tech, she, she wants information in abundance. Um, mm. To Carly, you know, uh, Carly, after a set piece presentation, came up to me and was like, hey, I, this is what I need to know. And uh, there are two people at either end of their career um, who who want information because they want to step out and perform. 
they want to help the team and uh it's it's taken a little bit of time for me to kind of kind of grow into that um but just today after practice carly asked me a question i was like yeah we can definitely do that next week so that's mm. been that's been stellar um and something that i think as i move forward in my career is only going to continue to set me up for success amen I mean, look, I, I was just going to say this right now, you know, I mean, you know, Dan, obviously, you know, you're in the New Jersey area. You're a little bit busy with Gotham FC, but I don't think, I don't think you all know this. I told, told Omar off the air yesterday. This is a very important information, but uh, I, I may be, I may be making a comeback uh, much like Omar did uh, the Pan Armenian games. Uh, I, I've been invited <laughs> to camp to trial for uh, Maccabi USA for their, uh, for their team and get uh, absolutely destroyed by guys like Jonathan Bornstein. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this is going to be a fun experience. And uh, I'm, I may be in the Jersey area, Dan, you might have to put me through my, through a session. Please after do, come along. <laughs> I mean, I was joking with Omar. I'm like, dude, you're going to have to start with like a U8 session with me right now. Like you're going to have to do like simple lateral movement into clean handling. Um, Michael, we but, throw but, you into the deep end and you just figure it out. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Throw me in one of those Gotham sessions, and Kaylin will never want to come back on the show. She's like, that dude does not know anything about goalkeeping. <laughs> please, uh, please take him off. Um, guys, we have a couple questions right here in the comment section here, so I want to, I want to throw these up. Omar, I'm gonna try something, Lou. Let's see if these, uh, let's see if these these pop up here. Okay. Uh, all right. Oh, oh look at wow. that. Look at that. Okay. So uh, Cole Citarella uh, in uh, Boulder, Colorado asks uh, both you guys to use both feet effectively. Do I have to be ambidextrous or do I just have to be proficient enough with my non-dominant foot to relieve pressure and reorganize my team? Shout out to you, Cole. That's a great question, man. Great question. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, go ahead. Dan. Um, I don't think you have to be ambidextrous. I think it helps for sure. I think that uh, Jill put out the clip of Kaylin the other day uh, taking a goal kick with a left foot. And uh, Kaylin is really strong with both feet. But after practice, the one of the first things I recognized about all four of the women I work with is that they, they work really hard and they put in the time outside of our environment to continue to get better. Uh, she's not ambidextrous. She just stays after practice for 15 or 20 minutes every day and is, is really fine-tuned to the details of her body. So she learns really quickly. That's something that has been huge in, in this environment is that there are not too many times I have to say the same thing twice because it sticks. Uh, and thus, being ambidextrous would be fantastic, being able to use both feet exactly the same. But uh, Kaylin's right-footed, but just has an incredible left foot. Megan Hins, uh, another one of our goalkeepers, uh, is really good with both feet, but she's really good because she put in a bunch of time away from the environment. So she doesn't use practice as practice. She uses the time away from practice as practice and practice as a place to demonstrate what she can do. Mm. Um, so that, that would be what I would say. I absolutely love what you just said there, Dan, about using practice as a place to show what you can do. Sure. I want a lot of young goalkeepers to hear that right now because I always say this to, to people at my sessions. I say, like, you're here the time with me, this is like lecture time. This is like active lecture time. The time that you spend away from me and from your club, that is the time where you're actually putting in the work on your technical skills. You know, and, and like you were saying with Kalen right there, I was going through through footage of Kalen in the past couple of years, and I still couldn't for the life of me figure out which one was her dominant foot because she's put that much time into it. And that, that is a testament to all the work that, that she's put in on, on her own. That's not a magic spell that sure. yourself or, or Jill or any other coaches put on. No, for sure. And I, I think it's important to recognize that um, the vast majority, if not all of the women that play at this level have done that. Uh, if, if you were to stay after, after practice every day and watch our entire team, you know, 90% of the women of, on the team stay out there and, and continue to hone their craft so that 
when the time matter when like when the time comes for them to, to use it it's there it's subconscious and i think that's a huge part of my job is to create an environment a stage in which the women are forced to reckon with those technical uh, those technical characteristics every day and they can refine them in a space that is safe um so that when the time comes in front of x number of thousand of people or on tv they can do it no, yeah. I, 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 I agree completely. Um, guys, let's move, let's move into this topic. Cause I think a lot of people are chomping at the bit to, to hear about this. And Dan's got some phenomenal, uh, footage here that he's going to share, uh, with us all right here. Um, guys, today's topic is, uh, manipulating space, utilizing both feet on, uh, to manipulate space and, uh, and on restarts as well too. Dan, you brought up the fact with Kaylin about hitting the ball from a, from a restart with her right foot and her left foot and the tactical decision-making Jill posted that on the keeper incident and guys check out that post. It's really, really awesome because we completely stole it in order to make this entire episode happen. Um, but uh, maybe for some of the parents out there who are listening and are a little confused what we're talking about, cause it's a little in the weeds. What do we mean by manipulating space, Dan? Um, creating time. Basically the reason you would manipulate, manipulate space is you want to create time or you want to make progress up the field. Um, so there's a host of different ways you can do it. We could be on it for hours talking about it, but using the people in front of you to, um, to drag and draw other players, it could be you as a goalkeeper occupying a different space to force someone to make a decision. I think that's, if I were to use manipulate, like extend or manipulate, I would, you're asking somebody to make a decision on the opposition. And as a result of the, the decision, you're going to execute something. Um, so that would be a, a really short synopsis of how I would explain that. You know, I, I think uh, one, one thing that I, I like to say about it in regards to this, in regards to the manipulation, and Omar, this is something that you, you talk about consistently as well, too, is that we're all going to have strengths and weaknesses in our game. And if we can manipulate the dangerous areas to be in areas that we can handle, we're going to be in a better situation, whether whether we're defending the area or whether we're on offense. Right, Omar? Exactly, exactly. And, and I actually, we just did a scout for, uh, you know, how Phoenix, we played this weekend, Phoenix Rising, how they press. Mike, can I just share it real quick? Just yeah, for, for me, at least, like, I mean, the goalkeeper didn't yeah. didn't do it uh, perfectly in this situation. But for me, hold on, share. For me, this is kind of, for me, uh, for me, at least, this is what would be manipulating space, right? So, like, if I know that if I roll this ball out to my left back, and I know, for example, this guy, Solomon Asante, he's always, this is a target guy, he's always going to sprint towards me to apply the pressure. That's his role. Then if I know that that's going to be the, the situation, I'm going to play this ball and then manipulate it. So now I've created all this space now for my left back. Obviously, I'd probably have him a little further to the touchline to create even more space. But if I know from a scouting report that he's going to keep stepping up to create that space for me now, that's for me at least when I talk about manipulating space. So again, scouting report is so, so important, but also understanding where you can play, what the person's role is in, in terms of like team pressing and how you can manipulate them towards coming forward. And we talk about, do you have to be ambidextrous? No, but if you want to be difficult to, to press as a goalkeeper and you want the, the strikers to be honest, you have to be good or decently good with your feet so they have to respect both. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and Dan, I think, you know, one thing I, I, that I want to bring up is the fact is that it is so important to understand the tendencies of your own teammates as well too when we're talking about manipulating space because if you manipulate the space for your advantage but it's a disadvantage for your teammates that that's it's not no longer an advantage happen. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's no longer an advantage i think if you were to um i did film on our game versus houston the other day um and as i watched it back there are obviously 10 other players on the field and then the space in behind kaylin hit 10 of 10 of those 11 options so one when you have a goalkeeper that can 
that can manipulate the ball around the field and thus manipulate players, it, it's really hard to play against because when you try and take something away, something else opens up. And when you have a, a mind like she has and the rest of our group have, um, the moment that, that something changes dynamically, so does their decision and the opportunity to execute. So I think uh, the clip that Jill posted was from, a, was from a goal kick, but in the run of play, there are a host of moments. In fact, my favourite clip was towards the end of the game. Caitlin picked the ball up. Um, because they, she looked as if she was going to hit a side volley, so the player dropped and she just rolled it to Ali Long, and Ali Long moved up the field. That was like the prime example of how to manipulate space in order to just set yourself your, and your team up for success. Joe, I love the fact you just brought that up because disguise is such an important part of manipulating space. You know, if you can disguise your uh, intent, you know, you're really putting yourself in, at an advantage because now the other team is trying to second guess what you're going to do, and then in the next in the next action, in the next scenario, they might just be expecting you to do a certain action because that's what you did before. And now you completely throw them off. So here is, here is actually, uh, we can talk really pragmatically about how to manipulate space on the field with your hand, with your voice, with your body, by dragging other players. Um, but I, I say to our, our women all the time is that my hope for us is that we make it onto other teams' scouting reports. And if we're on other teams' scouting reports, then we're doing a good job. Um, and the, that's really the way to manipulate a team, especially at, once you reach the collegiate level where everyone is watching everyone else's games. There aren't any surprises. Once the opposition recognises that you have all these tools in your arsenal, it's really tough to play against, even if you know it's coming, um, because there is there's not only people on the field, but there's space. And if you're comfortable playing in the space and you have a level of connection with the people that you're playing with, it's really, really, really tough to play against Dan, I actually downloaded the game because I saw that distribution and I wanted to watch the whole game to like do a full breakdown. So exactly what you just said, I found that clip and I'm going to share it just so we can exactly what you're Please talking do. about here. Please Enjoy. Do. You can see it, right? Like now it's, it's yeah. the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. One, one last thing too. And I want to add on to this as well is that when you, when you scout the other team's goalkeeper, that's why you see a lot of strikers now they'll stand in front of the goalkeeper on a fast break because they know they're going to go for a side volley. So for her as well, knowing that the other team knows that is also very important. So she can pick and choose. Again, that's the savviness and the IQ of a goalkeeper. Okay, I know the scouting port on me is, but now I can pick and choose now and maybe once in a while play long so I can create a short option. Play short a few times so I can play a long option. So for this one as well, given that context. So can, can Omar, would you go back like, uh, go back to here. Watch as she gets up, she has this little stutter. It's like a, a two-step stutter, and it happens here. She has a little stutter, and it looks like she's going to throw it, which slides yeah. their team, and then she looks to play through. So she hasn't actually used her arm. She, she's sold it with her feet, um, and it's created a little bit of space. And I'll, um, I'm trying not to hype her up too much, um, but she <laughs> is the, she, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody in the world that's a better roller of a ball. Um, she bowls the ball at such an elite level pace that it might as well be a pass. Um, so she uses it as an advantage. But as I watch this clip back, she, she doesn't pump with her arm. She kind of has a little stutter, which slides their pressing forward back a little bit. And she's like, brilliant. I'm just going to play into the space that you've just left. And look at this player. Exactly what you're talking about, though. If, I, if you can see my cursor, she's yeah. recovering. Look at right when she sees eyes up, she's walking. Watch. She's walking, walking, walking. Then you talk about that little stutter step. Look at now yeah, she sees where her eyes go. Exactly. And, and that is, you know, for example, I, uh, I had spoken to uh, Chris Sharp from the Rapids and I asked him, you know, uh, what's the best thing for these young kids in, in COVID situations now? How do they showcase their ability on film? You know, if they have any film. 
And he's like, Omar, when I watch the film, I look for IQ as well. So when you're seeing a, a situation where you, the team plays out of the back, is the is this a goalkeeper? Is he, are they smart enough to play that ball down the middle and then know for a fact that that's going to bring the the right or the right striker or the right midfielder across so that when they receive that ball, now they can outlet pass over there. He's like, most players don't understand that I'm looking for stuff like that. I want to see if their mind is able to manipulate the chessboard in a, in a way where the first pass, or even if they communicate it and sprint one way and then they come the opposite way, are they able to manipulate the game in a way that they don't actually have to physically do anything prior to the, prior to the situation actually starting? You know, I, I want I want to bring up this first off. Obviously, you know, you know, Kalen with the with the you know seventeen month preseason that you all had, and uh, you know, and and with all that time that she was spending in uh, New York, New Jersey area, she probably took some classes at the Actors Studio because that was phenomenal right there. I I I bought it. I bought it. I, I would give her an Emmy for that one uh, right there. But uh, also the bowling aspect, Dan, that you brought up, so huge because a lot of young goalkeepers, I think they consider bowling to be just a just a, a, you know, like a, this is a consolation action. Like, sure. oh, this is, and if nothing's open, well, then I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the bowl. And they don't put any, I can't tell you how many times at a session I've seen at the foundational level, coaches just skimming past teaching kids how to bowl the ball properly. And then they get to Omar's level, maybe, or maybe let's just say the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. And it's just, for lack of a better term, half assed. It's, sure. it's half half assed. The pace is all over the place. They don't understand distance. And, and it's just because they've never put the time into it. So there are a couple of points to that for me. The first one is I feel like uh, we I try not to use the word role, right? Role connotes something very different to me. Bowl means that I'm going to, in the same way you would when you go bowling, you're going to put it down and you're going to be accurate. Um, and, and that's the reason that we distribute, right? That's the reason we, as a goalkeeper, look to get rid of the ball is to make progress. And um, as you bowl the ball, you can bowl it really accurately. Uh, the the thing that I've seen people struggle with in the past is pace and using it as a way to beat lines. Uh, and Kalen bowls the ball fantastically. If you watch, uh, we played against North Carolina uh, in the Challenge Cup and Didi played. And a couple of times she started the attack with a bowl, uh, which is a really tough thing to do, especially if you're starting the attack. It means you're probably breaking a line or two. And to do that with a bowl is is supreme and another thing that teams have to factor in my hope as i said before is that is that our group of goalkeepers make it onto scout reports and the scout report is they can do this 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 and the question from the team is well how do we stop it um and once we've done that we turn into a team of 11 players that can play make and it's really really yeah. tough to, to defend and, and dan mike sorry one last thing too and, I, and again i i clipped this one from the game and I think, again, what, what I like about Sher- uh, Sheridan, what I like about Kalen, too, is like this is one of those things as like a, as a you know, so playing rondos or playing um, as a field player growing up. Like for me, this manipulation for me in terms of just buying yourself that little bit more time, I'll, I'll press play so you guys can see it. Watch this little step over. Boom. And look at that. Just like the most like subtle thing. Now the striker, look, she's cross-stepping across. It forces these two players to become unbalanced. And now she has the other way to go. It's something so like fractional and so small, but it does so much damage. So the term that I would use for this is that we use their momentum against them, right? Mm. Like she's 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 pulled her leg over the ball and she's she has the option now to use their momentum against them. So she slid them a yard and a half, and a yard and a half isn't in distance, isn't a whole bunch of space. But once you're moving that way, she can go the other way. And here does she choose to? Let's see, where does she play, Emma? 
Exactly. Oh, just right. So now we found our right back in an acre of space and we look to play. I mean, just, and she just broke and she just broke that whole line. Right, right there. It just, that was, that was, that was awesome. I mean, by the way, Omar, did you, you, you literally were clipping the same ones that I was clipping last night. So uh, were we doing some telepathic thing going (laughs) on here? You guys are very thorough. (laughs) (laughs) I just watched so much film. I watched so much film now. And like, I don't know, Dan, I, I mean, I'm sure you're the same way, but you know, people are like, you know, when you get into a, a coaching role, you for me at least, I know in the future, just like as a goalkeeper, I wish I had done this more. But, like, I know for a fact my left foot being competent with my left foot is going to be something that I'll need eventually. Sure. So as a young as, – as a coach, it's like anybody can be a goalkeeper coach. Anyone can run a session. Anyone can do it. But what else are you providing to the coaching staff so that you, you're taking more seriously and you're stepping into these meetings with actual, like, substance that you feel sure. like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm helping the team further than just my position. So I think just clipping video and I even spoke to the assistant coach. I said, like, can you tell me, is there anything that I can do to alleviate time and pressure off you in terms of film? And he said, Omar, from the restarts, I want to know what they're pressing, what the press is like. Uh, I want to know on free kicks, what their goalkeeper's tendencies are, like all these little things. And I was like, okay, it's goalkeeping centric, but it's also just like how the team um, works and how we can build our back four. So I don't know. That's essentially for me. It's just like, it's been eye opening where I'm like, people want the help. You just got to ask. 100%. 100%. I mean, I think that's a, that's a great point in regards to like people wanting that help. Um, I want to bring bring this back right here because actually talking about playmaking, Miguel Martinez from Fresno, he has this question right here that I'm going to show everybody right here. Mm. Uh, and he's saying, how would you teach? And I'll, I'll give it to Dan since Omar just talked. How would you teach deception and possession without creating a habit of the goalkeeper trying to be a playmaker? Which I, I think that is actually a, a really a relevant point, Miguel, especially at the younger foundational ages. Yeah, I think it completely depends on on how you're trying to play, right? I mean, as for deception, you've got to have a couple of options. Um, so we actually did a session the other day in which we had uh, two goals that were like 45 yards apart, uh, like 25 yards apart and 45 yards from the goal. And we had one goalkeeper defending both. And it I didn't coach a whole bunch. This, like I actually try not to coach a whole bunch in the session, but spend way more time thinking about the session. So the session does the coaching. Um, mm-hmm. And the goals being as far apart as they were and the distance that they were enabled us to find some success, also try different techniques. Um, but the goalkeeper that was defending the two goals, like we had to move them somehow. Um, and thus you see the women like running, like sliding one way and playing the other or putting the ball down, using their eyes to slide the goalkeeper and use their momentum against them. Uh, we want, at Gotham, we want our goalkeeper to be a playmaker, to be able to break lines and, and find um, and, and find people on the field so we can make progress. Um, but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to be a playmaker. If, you're, if you have the option to be a playmaker and your coach reins it in, then that's fantastic. Um, it's actually the other way that's more difficult, right? You want your goalkeeper to be a playmaker, they don't have the tools. So... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Omar. No, Dan, I just wanted to ask you a question too, because I've definitely have had in in recent, like in the past with goalkeeping groups, how one goalkeeper is is obviously um, has certain qualities and and things that like obviously make them uh, not superior, but they they add more, they bring more layers to their game. And that's why they're the starter. Um, Is it difficult for you? Have you found it difficult where like you're trying not to push those same strengths of Kalen onto the other goalkeepers? I literally just had this conversation with them yesterday in film in which I've been here for four months and I decided, uh, I'm sure one of them was going to watch this. Um, so I decided that I would share a little bit about my philosophy just for a couple of minutes before film. I'm super conscious of the fact that 
they are all different people and they have different narratives and different stories. They all played at different colleges from different parts of the country. They represent different countries. Um, and I'm not trying to make them the same people. Uh, do I have, as a goalkeeper coach, things in my mind that are like preferences? 100%. And I'm, I've been really conscious over the last five months to, to kind of rein those in. Um, and there is a level of inevitability that uh, they start to do kind of the same things. Like positionally, if you were to watch Didi over um, the Challenge Cup and Kaylin over these next couple of games, I think you start to see some similarities. Uh, but my job is to offer bespoke coaching, right? Uh, is to tailor it to them and their strengths, their physical characteristics, their social characteristics, their technical abilities, and design sessions that can challenge all of them simultaneously for the period of time that we work together. Yeah. Mm. Um, Amen. Dan, did you, did, Dan, did you want to bring that, bring up that session now? Sure. Um, let me actually let me share my screen because I think this is uh, I think this is important and I want to um, I'm actually going to share a session plan first if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Because I think I think this is. Uh, can you see that? Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Yep. I think this lends itself as to the way that I coach a little bit, uh, and I'll, I'll work through this. They we have a board in the in our practice facility, and this goes up every morning, and it's right outside our office. It's actually really interesting to watch the women at women come over and read it. Um, and what's really interesting for me is that they read it and they often have got absolutely no clue what it means. Um, <laughs> after after a couple of months, you know, you, you start to pick up on, on, okay, I think we've done this session before. Um, but as you, as you look at this, there are a couple of things I want to note, and I really hope they're not watching this because this would give away a whole bunch of the way I do stuff. Um, but there are no arrows, right? There is no yeah. ball starts here, ball goes here. As you, as you see this, like all I've done in this picture is set the stage for practice. And whether they come in, we start practice at 10. Whether they come in at, at 9 or 8.45 or 9.15, they have a period of time to marinate on what this might mean. And when they arrive to the field or the stage, they have brought their own narrative on what they think this means. And thus they perform that narrative. Um, and it's really interesting to see how they interpret this session differently. What you'll notice down underneath where it says practice one, practice two, practice three, practice four, is it's typically not scripted. Um, these are the service types that we're going to build into, especially practice four when it's super unannounced. It's here is our objective. Here is the constraints of the game. Go. Um, and it's, it's so interesting to see how each one of them does something that favors their strength. And then my job is in the second time around is to, to like on the spot think of a constraint that might challenge them to do something that's out of their out of their strengths. Um, I've seen a lot of session plans in the past, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, that have arrows and this is where we start and this is where we go and this is how we finish. And I think the reason that um, Kaylin, you know, I can't take credit for Kay, um, but our group over the, you know, the next few months will start will continue to excel is that every day um, I would like to think our game mirrors the game. I put, a, I put a, a video out on Twitter the other day and it was at half a field, 10 mannequins, three goals, five goalkeepers. Uh, and I, I'm not too sure you can get more realistic than that without playing a game. Um, and thus, no arrows means I can challenge their decision-making processes and try and find out why. I, dude, I, this is this is awesome. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've, this is like something like you're, you're making my head explode right now. I've never... I've never seen a session design like that before. And I absolutely love that from a, from a psychosocial standpoint as well, sure. too, 
just allowing the goalkeeper to create their own narrative in their head. I want to try this. I'm really curious to see what my goalkeepers will come up with when they go out and try to, and try to, you know, activate for the session because then like in a game, you're, you start behaving in certain patterns. And then when you're forced to change those patterns and improvise in the moment, now you can, because because you've been taught how dude I, I mean this is next level type stuff man when, I mean when you look at this when you look at that one session plan by itself it doesn't do a whole bunch right but that was preseason day 15 and now we are I don't know, 90 days or 80 days into the season once you tether them all together you actually start to I start to dismantle the narrative um, and kind of recreate the narrative um, which I think sets them up for success so that's I, I think has been massive over the last few weeks and months that there is no, this is how it should be done in my mind, have an idea of like, this is how I think it's going to go. Um, and what, what I think is super important in this context too, especially when we talk about playing with both feet from restarts and manipulating space is they have the freedom in the session to adjust things. There are times that I set mannequins up wrong or put goals in the wrong place. And I really want one of them to saddle up and say, this is not in the right spot. Or I see the game like this. Can I make this, this, um, and I try to, not always successful, I try to provide an environment in which they feel a safety to adapt and challenge and explore and discover and all of these other words so that when they get to game day, they're super comfortable holding someone accountable. If they don't like the way I've designed a set piece defensively or the other team has done something differently, they can make adjustments and they can own those adjustments because ultimately as an elite level soccer player, you have to make decisions and own them. Um, and I think if they if they're challenged to do that three, four, five days a week, then why wouldn't they be successful on a Saturday in Chicago? I mean, I mean, dude, I mean, I, I this is why Omar was so excited to have you on. Like, see, we were, we, we, we weren't joking around about this. I mean, I just I just love, and I love the evolution of coaching, not just the playing aspect of the evolution of playing, of, of playing, but the evolution of coaching, because I think, you know, Dan, I think you're showcasing a lot of the things about how the, mo- I don't want to use the term modern goalkeeper coach. I know like certain people like Paul Rogers can't stand the term, sure. uh, but more just the fact of like outside the box thinking um, the next generation of goalkeeper coaches, you know, um, and thinking about what, What's that next step? What's that next step that we can take this to the to the next level type of a thing? And if we can get more of, you know, Daniel Ball type thinking at the foundational ages, at the younger ages, then there's less of a relearning process that you need to do once they get to your level, your level, Omar, right? Yeah, no, I just had, I mean, I'm just, my, my, my wheels are spinning. I just had a question for Dan because I think, uh, I, I'll speak for myself, but I'm sure other coaches as well. It's that uh, paralysis by analysis. And I think even through quarantine, after the you know first few rounds of podcast, it was always like, hey, everything has to be game-like. I know Anthony White was challenging. Do we have mm-hmm. to hit volleys? Maybe we strike off the ground. Maybe we hit moving balls. That's more realistic. And I think for me, it became so – like I really put myself into like a lot of stressful and anxiety-filled situations because I, I was trying to put a session together, and then I said, this has to be more game-like, and then I would sure. put more stress to make it more game-like. So – um, you know, Sam Eka was on last week. He mentioned, yeah, there's certain days where it's technical. You're going to get, a, you know, a lot of reps and it's not going to be as game-like because obviously you need those. And then obviously there's going to be days where you're not going to get as many reps, but they're going to be game-like. And again, call, the ball goes over your head, you're calling away. That's very game-like. You may not get a touch on the ball, but it's game-like. So for you, is this session that you've put together, um, like you said earlier, in terms of like, I, put, I do all the planning and then the session is the teacher. Is it every single thing has to be the way you've set it out there 
or do you have certain days where it's more predictable or do you challenge yourself to make it every single time you go out there that there's something cognitively that these goalkeepers are trying to to adjust to there's all there's always something cognitive whether they recognize it or not there's always something cognitive um so it might be the location of the goal right no six yard box today figure it out um what's it got what's that going to force you to do um you know part of the field yesterday we got out before the sprinklers came on and i had a bucket of water and just donking balls in the bucket of water and smashing them at (laughs) um figure it out you know, you keep dropping and figure it out. It's gonna we're gonna have to change something. We have to be dynamic in our approach to to change something. Um, there are our most technical day is the day after a game for the two goalkeepers that didn't dress, or the the two goalkeepers that didn't dress and the goalkeeper that didn't play, because um, we want to catch and see a bunch of balls. Um, but every day there is a technical component, like our warm up. Some days is super scripted, um, and some days isn't. Um, but no, I, I, I think that it has to look like the game a decent amount. Um, and it served it served all the goalkeepers I worked really well. This I'll tell you, the, the fulcrum. Um, I went down to uh, IGCC a couple of, a year and a half ago, two years ago, and Richard Hartis just absolutely blew my mind. I sat in, I sat in a, a, a conference room and the man was talking. He played Gabrielle, a song by Gabrielle, and I just started crying. And I was like, I cannot <laughs> believe... I cannot believe that this guy is is challenging the way that everything is done. And Tim has been huge in this. You know, Tim and I bounce ideas back and forth, and Ant and I bounce ideas back and forth. And like, have you thought about this? Tim's brilliant at sending you a message on WhatsApp saying why we've done this like this, and I love that. Um, but it's it's lent itself to my being. Uh, people would say practitioner, right? And uh, I saw that Phil just announced that he has Doug Lemoff coming to the press the conference this year. I read Doug Lemoff's book, Practice Perfect, and it's a book that challenges why you do everything you do and is there feedback in everything that you do. Um, and I try and build into our sessions feedback. I'm not all too sure that you find a session that there isn't a some level of feedback. And whether that feedback, I try for it not to be in my voice. Um, it's some like it's some other thing that the, the women that I work with can recognize in the same way the game would provide feedback, um, our session provides feedback. So that they can take that and whether they're conscious about it or not, make adjustments or celebrate the success. Uh, by the way, Dan, uh, we just got we just got a recent question that came in uh, into the comments section here. And uh, this is from a from a from from a person who's just just starting out their coaching career. Uh, this is from uh, Jillian Lloyden. This is from. Uh, <laughs> And then, and, and, and little Jilly asks, no, Jill, Jill asks. And I think, I think obviously she's, you know, she's a little tongue in cheek, but I think she also wants, wants a lot of young coaches out there to hear this as well. Would you train your youth keepers the same way you would treat, treat Gotham keepers? 100%. Um, Absolutely. 100%. Boys, girls, men, women, whatever age, whatever gender. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. Drop them in the environment, and we made a joke about this at the start, right? About you playing, um, but operate at a, in a space that is safe, um, but enable afford them the opportunity to explore and experiment and make mistakes and do things wrong and become frustrated and leave annoyed and come back even more frustrated. Because I think those are all really important parts of the learning process. I am. Um, I mean, if you look at the Gotham website, says I'm a goalkeeper coach, but like I, I think I'm a facilitator. I would like to think I'm a little bit of a teacher. Uh, but yeah, 
no matter what age that I work with. And right now I work with 22 to 29. Um, I would 100% do exactly the same thing. I did the same thing in college for the last two years, uh, Iowa State and Bowling Green. And whatever, um, you know, whatever chapter comes next, whether it's working with elite youth or experienced professionals, um, I would 100% adopt to the same approach. But with this being said, um, I'm not stuck in my ways. Like I am super receptive to new ideas. Kaylin said yesterday, hey, can we try something before practice today? And we went out and it was the five of us, another assistant coach, uh, Becky Tweed. And um, it was a really good idea. And it was an idea that I probably don't build into practice enough. And thus, I really enjoyed the fact that she was confident enough to say, hey, this is what I think we should we should do today. And um, I really intentionally before practice today, she actually thought I was pissed. Um, I really intentionally didn't have my voice apart practice. I was there as a way she needed a body and I was the body. And I wanted her and the rest of the group to work through the solutions. And there was a moment where they were like, this isn't working. And I was super intentional not to say anything so that they could figure it out. Because on game day, when I figured this out last week, when there are 6,000 people in the stands at Portland and 500,000 people watching on TV, I can't fix it from 100 yards away because they can't hear me. And you've got to fix it. And I think that starts pre-practice, in practice as well. I love the fact that you just brought that up because I think that's something, especially when it comes to the build out, because I see at the younger ages and, and Dan, I don't, I don't know if you've seen it or Omar, if you've seen this as well too, but at the younger ages of the foundational ages, the amount of over coaching in the build out of the goalkeeper, not allowing them to make their own decisions and dictating their movements off the ball and on the ball and everything like that. And, you know, Omar, I, I know this is a conversation that we've had, quite a bit and why why it's so detrimental to the development of the goalkeeper uh for sure sorry I, i'm just like trying to process everything dan's saying that's what i'm saying I'm, <laughs> I, I again he's he's saying a lot of stuff that's making me uh again that's when you talk about there's a mutual respect when you know people who are just hey i'm a coach goalkeeper coach this is what i'm doing versus like like you said the session plan is everything and a lot of what we do is happening happening off the field in the office like we sure. really put all of like okay this could go right this could go wrong let's see what happens and then you draw it out and you say, okay, I'm ready. If this goes wrong to respond with this, like we layer all of our, for me, at least messaging wise, like I'm ready to respond based off of uh, stuff that I kind of wrote down in the session planning in the office. Um, so I'm sorry, Mike, to answer that question. I think, um, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. The, it's okay, man. I mean, cause I, I've been the same way. I'm like, well, you know, you know, you know, forget the rundown. Like we're, we're dance, <laughs> dance, dance, taking us on the, you know, the, the next level, you know, we're, we're, we're talking, it's the year 2072 goalkeeping now, <laughs> uh, with, uh, with, with Dan, with Dan ball. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Omar. No, just, I mean, for me again, just Dan, uh, it's probably turning into a most, uh, more self-fulfilling uh, podcast where I'm going to ask questions that I have for myself. Uh, Mike, screw the rundown. Uh, audience, hopefully you guys are coaches. <laughs> this, this could help you out. I don't know. Um, but I mean, just again to, to that point that you're uh, you kind of you know alluding to there, like you're a facilitator and like you're you're trying to make sure everything that you're doing is setting these goalkeepers up for the stage that they're going to be you know be playing on without having to. Alex, I don't know who that is, but um, I'm sure Dan does. I do. Um, but yeah, so so for for you again. Have you found in, in certain moments that you, again, in trying something new, whether it's with your voice, whether it's with your session plan, that something didn't work and then you were like, how did you respond to that? Omar, your, I your fail all the time. <laughs> no, no, I, I want to know. I want to know your temperament and like, are you, are you balanced? What, what, what happens? On a serious note, I fail all the time. I can't expect for the four women that I work with um, to provide an environment and 
me hope that they fail and me not expect to fail. There are times that um, things just don't work, right? I there, there have not been many times this year that we've done the same session, like at all. Um, and thus the vast majority of things are new. Uh, and I'm like working them through in my mind or at a coffee shop or in the office. And I'm like, I really hope this works. And I, I think a strength of mine as a coach is that I can pivot really quickly. And that's the reason that my session plan at the bottom isn't really scripted because I, I have an idea in my mind and if it's not working, I'll pivot. Um, but there are times that there have been a couple of times this year that I, I've sent a message to the group after and said it wasn't good enough for me today. I'm sorry. Or design sucked or, hey, this isn't working. We're going to do this instead. Because um, I think for the same reason that we said at the start, if they recognize that I'm before I'm down the goalkeeper coach, I'm down the 28 year old who isn't perfect and on the same adventure that they're on and is trying to establish themselves as a professional and um, and make a little bit of a difference in some people's lives, then they recognize that those moments are going to happen and we yeah. can just trudge, we can trudge through it as a, as a group. Yeah. You know, and I, by the way, I just, I think it's so crazy. I mean, like it's like a doppelganger situation right here, you know, both Omar and Dan 28 years old, you know, both, both doing the <laughs> professional thing. Look at, uh, look at, look at how we got the next generation of goalkeeper coaches right here. Uh, teaching uh not just the youth, but, uh, but those, uh, those, those even older than themselves. Um, Dan, actually I have a question. I, Go ahead, Omar. Were you saying the same thing? No, yeah, yeah. No, just just to, to to Dan's point there too. Like I remember, I uh, spoke to I like a panel of the MLS guys, and I was asking them. Like it was Dan, not Dan. Sorry, I was Paul, Phil, uh, Chris Sharp, Todd, and I was just like, you know, I had a session the other day, and one of my really good friends who I I work with, uh, I ran I ran a session with him, and it was a cutback session. The session did not go as planned. He was frustrated. He had drove through traffic, all this stuff, and he remember. I remember him going off on me like I didn't drive all this effing way for you to put me through this this crap session. And I remember thinking so less of myself afterwards. I'm like, wow, like I, I what did I do wrong? I explained that to them and the guys looked at me. They were like, Omar, if your players aren't responding to you in that way, you're never going to get better. You don't want someone to be like, hey, coach, that was a bad session. Can we do something different? You want to be able to not go back to the drawing board and realize okay, maybe I did have like a, a plan that, that didn't work out. Maybe I need to plan a little bit more. Or maybe if these situations are happening, do I open my ego to feedback so I can get that feedback right away, like you're saying, and then pivot. So it's like there's so many layers to the, the personal side of things and how you handle um, the distress and, and certain adversity. And also, too, as a coach, now it's like you've had the rehearsal. You've done those reps over and over. So now you're open to our new ideas, and then you can pivot on the fly. So it was just for me, it was that peace of mind knowing the coaches who are obviously in that higher level, like they've had that before. And again, answer, hearing your answer right there, I'm like, damn, thank God I'm not the only person who like I'm in the session. I'm just going, this is absolutely so bad. What did I, why did I draw this up? And then sometimes I make myself just go through it. I'm like, this is, you know, it's good to know, but also to how quickly can you think of a pivot and how was it, the, you know, was the session plan? Was it the goalkeepers not having a good day? What was it? And we figure it out in, in, the, in the movement. I want to build just really quickly. Can I build on Omar's point here? Because I'm about to get yeah, a little yeah. academic. I'm about to get a little academic for a second. Um, <laughs> it's okay. But um, I I think that I don't think there is this. Uh, the US and the UK and a lot of Western countries are set up educationally that the teacher is the font of knowledge, right? And you go to the teacher and they pour like it's in the same way you would pour gas into a car. They pour into you and you scoot off. And when you need more gas, you come back. Um, and I don't. That's not the way I try and coach. Uh, I, Kaylin has won way more than I have. Didi has played for a country. 
Stu played at one of the best colleges in the country. Mandy played at Virginia Tech. She played for the US Youth National Team. I've not done any of that. And thus, it's really important that they pour into me. Uh, they pour into me with their experiences and their knowledge. And we can, we can do it as a team, as a group. Uh, are we always going to be happy? No, because one person's going to play and I'm, I have a big part to say in who plays. Um, but it's not it's not Kalen performing. It's not Didi performing. When Kalen plays well, it's because the group is doing really well. When when Didi done really well in the Challenge Cup, it's because the group has uh, created an environment every day in which she's challenged and thus she steps into a game and it's hopefully easier. Um, there is There is no individual that pours into one for all of the answers. Uh, it's we as a group work through these issues as 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 individuals and we bring our narratives and our biases and our experience and hopefully we can grow and learn so that that's called the banking concept of education like i'm not just cashing out yeah, money yeah. to everyone so if you get it, it's um it's we're in this together um amen I, 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 I want to I want to ask this as as we can kind of Dan if, if you if you if you don't mind painting the picture and, and putting up that session that session you know now that we saw the session design or lack lack of design sure. um but uh but how how it all comes kind of comes together because Would you I think click a lot of people... good so i put this out uh i put this out on the social media i don't know like six weeks ago seven weeks ago so the field looks crap but it's actually lovely right now um and there there is very little in this that's that's scripted it's you've got to adjust and um Didi's just tipped the ball into the post there fantastic this was right at the start of preseason. I'm trying to learn a little bit about what our women uh, can do when it's chaotic and it's technical. Um, here is a moment where the weather is really bad and we've got a really small bit of space. This is actually where I've been blessed with by all of my bosses. I always have time and I always have space. And I, I think without those two things, I'm going to really struggle to make people better. Uh, but this is a moment that we had to pivot. Um, so we've kind of thought on the fly with the space that we have, and we start to create these really game-like situations, situations that carry over to the game. Um, this is, I think, the prime example. We actually just did this session yesterday uh, with the two goals I was talking about for the distribution and one person defending them. This is like the prime example of um, playing a goal kick with your weaker foot. So this is Stu and goal, Megan, and she's right-footed but she's about to play the ball 40 yards with her left foot into a pocket of space. If you watched us play the other day against Houston, this happened two or three times. Um, now there's a centre-back facing their own goal and I'm applying pressure. My pressure forces Stu to have a touch. She's got to recover and make a save. Like super, super simple. Uh, but the emphasis is on um, making the decision, reading the triggers like Sam spoke about last week. Um, here is a moment from the start of practice in which uh, – there's an absolutely zero catching. It's can you break lines? Can you play at pace? Can you have an intentional touch? What you what do you do if you don't? Um, so this is kind of a little bit of the flavor that we we operate under uh, that I really believe transfers over to the game. You talk about announced and you talk about scripted and like technical. This is uh, one of our really early sessions in preseason in which um, they all know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. We just got to see what the game is about. This is actually one of my favorite clips and it'll be the one that I end on. Um, 
Go Dan, on. real quick, real quickly before you move on, right there, I, 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 if you can, can add on a little bit about that announced to the unannounced, and that there's nothing wrong with the fact is that at the beginning of your preseason that you're doing announced service, so that they're just getting back into the rhythm and and getting that movement preparation, so that their body is is ready for those responses, and then you can layer on from there, right? No, so there for a couple of reasons, right? And I, I'm I'm still learning about them as individuals. They all have quirks and 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 parts of the game that. Um, I observe something new every day. Uh, the big part of the reason that we did it is that when I first moved here, we did a session as a group and a few of them were like, okay, the pace is way faster than we're used to. So we broke it down and uh, kind of they, just so they could see the pace and there was no, there was no thinking. They just had to see the ball. And thus we had an announced session, like part of the session was heavily announced in which they knew what the order was going to be. They knew what the ball was going to be, but you need to see the pace um, so that once we get into places where it's, where it's less scripted, um, the pace isn't the consideration. The consideration is, okay, how can I be successful in this environment? Um, and Dan, Dan, can I just also elaborate, please. guys? Again, what Dan just said, guys, and, and I think is so important for young coaches, and Mike had to teach me this, is that, like you said, the teacher is not the all-knowing. You need that constant feedback from your players because as Mike and I were texting yesterday, you're there to serve them and then they prolong their careers by giving them what they need so that they're ready for the weekend. So again, sure. like what you just said is so important for young coaches. It's good to go out there with the lesson plan. It's good to do all that. But at the end of the day, you need to get that feedback. So the players, again, you're serving them to make them feel as, as obviously accountable to the sessions, but also too for the performances that they had accountability in the sessions that were created. Sure. So, um, I think mannequins are, you're very rarely going to see in any of my sessions cones. Um, that don't exist. Um, so I use a host of host of mannequins and a host of small goals. And then from the small goals, we'll set objectives. This is something that Tim spoke about probably a year ago now is that um, sometimes we ask people to hit the goal. Sometimes we ask people to hit the post because the post is going to drive a technical proficiency. Are you going to drive it against the post from 15 yards? Or are you going to play it at the instep of your foot? Um, and then that's the post represents someone's specific foot and you can ask them to make progress. Right here, you're receiving the ball from their left centre back, which is actually our strength and conditioning coach, ball comes in and we have two people taking away two options. They take away both small goals. So then we have to play through. But because the next option, the next phase of this is now we're going back towards the primary goal. You've seen that's forced Stu to have to have a lateral touch because both options are being taken out by the mannequins. So then she plays a ball in, Didi has a touch, Mandy reads it and she comes to apply pressure. Um, this is a, a moment that I would say is uh, a little bit of a hybrid of announced and unannounced to start with a volley super early on in the session. Can we be comfortable playing through tight spaces? Um, and then once they decide that they want to turn it big picture, they go big picture. I apply pressure and they play across their body first time. So super simple. Like I don't think it's anything mind blowing, but I think once you, once you um, tether it all together over a period of time, because learning doesn't happen, you know, instantaneously, you can start to create a little bit of a culture of bravery, uh, discovery, exploration, uh, and one that I think the, the key word has to be transference, transference over into the sphere that they want to be successful in, which is game day. I mean, I, I just want to say, whoa, look at that, that look at that look right there. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, uh, I think I'm just gonna stick to stand-up comedy. I, I think both of you guys are just such a higher level than I ever will be now. Uh, no, no, I mean, in all serious, no, no, Dan, I mean, you're, you're really making me, I tell you what, man, I'm going to be listening back to this episode three or four or five different times, uh, on some of these things. I do have a question for you though, because, uh, 
one of the, I primarily work with the, you know, more foundational ages that that's prim- sure. primarily where my bread and butter is, is the found foundational ages. Um, some of them higher level than others. Um, and, and I primarily use whenever I use any sort of cone work, it's in that, it's in that preparation stage. It's in, especially just them just learning motor skills and everything like that. One thing that I started recognizing as I moved forward in my coaching career is that especially at that foundational age is once they were graduating up that their starting positions were horrendous. Why? Because they were learning how to get into a specific spot rather than understanding the area of the field that they need to move to based on the scenario going on in the game. So I stopped putting out cones mm-hmm. and and I started telling these young kids who kept looking down, wondering where the cones are because all the goalkeeper training that they do with their club or with other coaches or whatever had was so cone based that they freaked out. And I realized, Oh my gosh, these kids don't understand, have no spatial awareness at all of where they're really supposed to be standing. Is that something that you recognize and that one of the reasons why you, why you shifted and pivoted? Um, yeah. I mean, periodically like we'll crack out some cones, but it's very rare uh, and I, I really want you to grapple with um, making a decision. And typically cones take the decision element out of it. Like you want to talk about scripted service, like typically there's going to be an element of a script. Uh, in Kalen's return, we had some cones because I wanted to force some really specific movements that would translate to the game. Uh, but after a couple of sessions, we kind of bully them out. And um, I think cones, for the most part, in my experience, take away the ability to question and it's the question whether with the question that comes learning you know if i ask the question um if i ask the question then we can get into a dialogue as to why and then i can start to understand you and design sessions that that better challenge your why and force you to be successful here here is um i, I shout this a lot of practice and in film every time we do film which is once a week uh, i ask this question is can i score and my job i really believe this my job is to operate uh, at an, a pace uh, and an intensity and with an intention that your answer should always be no. Um, like I really believe that after a period of time, I want to breathe confidence into you that you've seen every picture, that you've, you feel comfortable in every picture, that no matter where the ball is, um, the answer should be no. And that for me is what drives positioning because I feel like far too many people get sucked in because they worry they can concede. Uh, and I ask the question a lot, whether it's a free kick or a penalty or in the run of play or I'm on the byline. Can I score? No. Well, adopt a different position then, because if I can't score, then you need to you need to take a position where you can start to affect the game. Um, and I think the more cones you have, the less times you can ask the question. Can I score? Yeah. Um, I want to put this up here right here because Miguel has a has a question uh, for you right here, Dan, if, if, you, if you don't mind. Uh, mm-hmm. I, Miguel's got a lot of questions. Sure. Um, and I think everybody can probably see it right there. If you had GKs that lacked quality technique, would you still put them through game-like scenario slash functional training with poor technique that led to poor decisions? Sure. I um, Yeah, I'm super on the Anthony White, Tim Dittmer uh, train with this, if I'm being honest, is that I think if as a coach you really think about how you put the session together, um, you can start to challenge people's technique and ultimately their technique is their technique. If you watched uh, Kaylin, for example, Kaylin very rarely is going to catch the ball in a basket. She drops her right or left knee. She she gets her head behind the ball and she kind of pats it down. Um, it works. You know, it's, it's super effective. Um, so if if I create a session that forces your technique, both in possession, out of possession, then my job is to 
put you in a situation as well where you start to learn um, the scenarios and it start a dialogue. And I think the dialogue is really important. If you look at, uh, we have, have four different goalkeepers. Uh, Mandy is is wildly athletic. Like it's it's bewildering how athletic she is. So she can adopt a different position and she has a slightly different technique as a result. Um, I'm sure you all saw the save that Didi made against Portland in the last couple of minutes of the game. Scarily athletic. And But if you watch the clip back, like her positioning throughout the whole play says, you can't score, so I'm going to be in a really neutral position, and that's going to force my decision in this scenario to be this. And here is the technical component at the end, which is what manifested in the save. So that would be my really long-winded answer to your very thought-provoking question. Well, your your long-winded answers are still three minutes shorter than Omar's long-winded answers. <laughs> so, uh, so I would much rather hit Omar's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more confident, more articulate. But um, no, I think to, to Dan's point, I think that, again, that is where my evolution as a coach has gotten better, where it's like, hey, don't try to fix this in isolation. Like if you if you have an idea of where these situations will arise in terms of the technical flaws, can we expose them to those situations? And again, get creative with how you expose it to them. And then again, we talked about before, it's like starting a conversation versus telling them that this is the right, you know, end all be all. And I think when you start a conversation, then again, they feel like their voice is being heard. And again, when you want to build an actual unit and like a group of goalkeepers that all want to see each other win, you don't want to isolate somebody and say, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And that's it. And then they lose their confidence. So you want to make sure that you expose them to that. And then again, that's where the conversations will start, like Dan just said. And I think that's where I think the major growth will happen, because now they actually are able to communicate and articulate why they do certain things. And along that path, they may realize, oh, this is actually a lot more because my coach told me to do it, not because I actually know why. The thing, the thing that I want to note um, is that I, I am so grateful for the women that I work with being as receptive as they have been to the way that we do things in such a short period of time. Um, for, all, like, for all I know and really care, I was a 28-year-old that came from Iowa State and didn't really have uh, much pedigree. And um, now I have the privilege of working with them and they've been wildly receptive I think it's probably as a part of their age, it's undoubtedly as a result of the people that they've been coached by. Lloyd just flashed that up and Lloyd's worked with a couple of them and obviously Jill's worked with a bunch of them and our styles aren't too dissimilar, um, but they have been like inordinately receptive to how we do stuff. Um, and I've been super actually reserved as to the rationale why I do stuff the way I do, because I want them to see that there is a level of success that can come from it. So. Yeah, I think you brought up a really good point right there, Dan, you know, as, as we start kind of wrapping up, I do want to kind of get a little bit back onto the, onto the topic because I think there's some things that I think some people wanted to hear, but is that, you know, uh, you know, if you, if you kind of go in there with this kind of this mindset of like, I need to show them what I'm all about and Omar, we've had this conversation before. Yeah. Very rarely is that going to be successful, you know, because it's really more about, okay, I need to, I need to explore and I need to find out what they're all about. And once I know what they're all about, you know, then I can, I can work with them. And then if you have a, if you have a quote unquote philosophy and you sh share, this is my philosophy the first day or the second day or whatever, they're going to be like, if they're going to be like, what, what you're trying to force something on us rather than really kind of explore and learn from us. Because again, what you, what worked at Iowa state might not work at Gotham sure. completely different goalkeepers. No, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I completely agree. It's um, 
they've been they they're really receptive and the the flip side of that is that, is that they're super comfortable to say i don't like this um and and i need to be receptive to that because as i've been reminded a couple of times by one of our assistant coaches that um i have a huge part to play in the development of their careers and that that you know being an athlete is a very short-lived career and if they're not in an environment where they feel they can get better every day then why would they want to be there um, and i'm really glad that i have four women that that i believe do get better every day and are challenged and continue to challenge me yeah um i i, I got a i got a quick question you know kind of kind of as, as we're starting to wrap this up here and and omar i know this is a conversation that we've had too so feel free to chime in as well but um I, I've I've had this issue in the past where when I've been working with young goalkeepers, you know, on playing with playing with both different feet and everything like that, is that they start getting into a mindset of, oh, I'm supposed to play it. I'm supposed to play it with this foot. I'm supposed to move into this space. I'm supposed to blah blah blah. I had the situation literally happen to me with an ECNL kid four or five weeks ago. And I remember it kind of stumped me because I, I was because they're like, No, I don't understand. You're telling me in these scenarios this is going. I'm like, yeah, but is that really the scenario that we're in right now? You have to be able to improvise. You know, what advice do you give to a coach who gets kind of caught in that kind of that deer in the headlights situation? Yeah, I think it's the uh, I said before the psychological safety net, the the environment where it's it's you got to be, you don't have to be, but you you might bear more fruit if you provide an environment where people are uh, willing to try different things. If you come to watch one of our sessions you would see that Mandy McLean likes to play across her body and she does it really well. You would see that Megan Hins likes to actually not play across her body and she's going to let the ball roll across her body and use her other foot. To me, I can't do that. I don't have the technical ability, the flexibility to do that. Playing across my body would be my preference, but it works. Um, and I think at some point we have to discern is, are we looking for an aesthetic or are we looking for an outcome? And I am much more on the outcome side of it now. I think probably three or four years ago when I first started, I had an idea of what things need to look like. A collapsed dive, a forward dive, it had to look this way. And I probably inadvertently bullied that into the goalkeepers I coached. But now uh keep your narrative, keep your keep your experience and I'm gonna I'm gonna nudge and prod as to force you to think why. And if you just come back with the same rationale then great. You're a you're a you're a professional. So Omar, anything you want to add to that? I think one one thing I want to ask you, Omar, is that because the, the the showing aspect, you know, a lot of young goalkeepers, you know, they show with a certain foot because they expect that's where the ball is supposed to, that's where they wanted the ball, and then the ball doesn't go there, and then they panic. Yeah, no, I mean, as as Dan just said, like the psychological safety net, and I think, you know, I I, I speak from experience. When I was in school, the teacher said, you know, these are going to be the formulas that you're going to need to answer the questions. And I memorized two out of five. And I hope to God that it was those two. And more often than not, it was the other three. So it was just unfortunate. But that's just how I kind of process things now where I'm like, give a, give them as many scenarios as you can possibly give them, where we talk about the exposure of like, hey, at a certain level, your left foot needs to be competent enough. And if it's not, and I'm exposing you to these, these you know, sessions where, you know, we're working on it, like you, it's going to, it's going to come out either the truth or it's not going to be truth. And for, for me, it's just making sure that, Hey, like you understand that the next level, you're going to need this tool. So as I forgot which player you're talking about, Dan, but like use your training as an opportunity. Don't just come to training with us as a way to, you know, try, uh, what's it called to, uh, you want to try new things, but I remember the coaches is, is watching and they want to know peace of mind that you're able to play with both feet and especially the Gotham style. Right. So I think that for me, Mike, to, to, to answer your question, I think, just putting them in as many situations where the outcome is, is different. 
um, that's going to force them to cognitively think about how do I position myself like Ederson does to make sure I use my, my strong foot. But at the same time, if Ederson a few times, he'll strike the ball with his right foot because he's worked on it and he knows at worst this was gonna this is gonna support me to get me out of tough situations. So, my my addition to that would be I, I uh, I've fallen victim victim to this a whole bunch, and I'm sure you've had people on there that have spoken about this. Is that like they want the session to look perfect, right? So so the entry pass to the goalkeeper is smooth. Um, I have an obligation to make it better. So my entry pass to you is not going to be smooth. My entry pass yeah. is going to be as if I'm under pressure and there are 12,000 people in the stands and, you know, there's a World Cup coming up and I, you know, I'm feeling pressure, which is going to mean that it's probably bouncing at your knee. Uh, like just yesterday, we did a session where uh, Kaylin had to receive, uh, a, this was before the session, Kaylin received the pass to like drag her out of the goal and slide her back in. And I asked our assistant coach who's playing the ball, look, I need you to give her a pretty manky ball because it's going to force her to be cognitively dynamic Am I going to have to shift my body? What touch am I going to have? Do I have to use this foot? Can I use the outside of my foot? Um, and, and that for me is the thing most representative of the game. So that's when it comes that the pass is good and the surface is brilliant and the ball isn't wet and there isn't a ton of pressure, you can be successful. I absolutely love the fact you brought that up because it's something that I've been trying to change in my coaching in the last few years as well too, where I used to try to make my service as clean as possible and ask and expect any outfield players that are working with me or other goalkeepers that are working in this, in the group group environment to give quality service. I'm, and my sure. idea of quality service was clean service, but, but you're absolutely right about that. And I, I've started doing uglier service and I've actually had parents and other coaches come up to me and be like, Hey, you know um, you need to give them better. You need to give them better service or whatever. And I'm like, but this is realistic. This is, this was based on the Nathan Thackeray conversation we had a couple of years ago where he said, what are the demands of a U9, a U10, U11? What kind of service are they actually getting? They're not getting service from a 35-year-old man, you know, you know, swinging that in right there. You know, they're getting the service. It's going to be choppy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be all over the place. And they have to learn how to deal with that because that's what they're going to yeah. see in, in, in the game. Um, my, go just ahead, again, to, to build on that point, too, I mean, as, as somebody who kind of started off the coaching, for me at least, was like through uh, the lens of like video. And I wanted to make sure that everything was perfect on, on, uh, on, on film and – we wanted to get the perfect reps and obviously, you know, have people steer me the right direction. But like, I'm at the point now too, where we hit certain services in and of course we're trying to get, you know, quality reps and making sure that they're actually getting a touch on the ball. But sometimes in college, mainly I'd have guys where the ball wasn't served in properly and they would run out and make a mistake. And then they're just like, but coach, that service wasn't where it needed to be. And I'm like, but you made a terrible decision to come out as much as it is that him getting the ball towards you and you catching an outlet, you know, finding an outlet, it's the same exact decision that process, decision making process that goes on in your head where you have to call away. So that's where also, also too, I think when you start getting those players who haven't had that, it's just that adjustment period of like everything is live and you need to treat it exactly like the game. And it's, it's an adjustment period for some people, but sometimes, unfortunately, you kind of have to be the person who's uh, shooting the messenger for last, uh, lack of a better term. We had a moment uh, two days ago in practice in which I think the group were a little frustrated with me um, because the the rep uh didn't end in a save um but the the yeah. the the outcome of the session was to challenge our positioning um and as i look back at the houston game there were seven or eight crosses that came in the box in which our positioning we you know, probably could have been a little bit better um and i i 
address the topic with the team uh, with with our goalkeepers at practice at the end when they're a little frustrated that they hadn't had the opportunity to make the save off the head or off a volley or a cutback and um and my response was look like if you, you want realism then this is realism you've just received 25 crosses in which six of them have ended in like an outcome that you want but you've, your positioning has been challenged in all 25 of them and if that's the if that's the way that we're going to continue to train then we're going to be really successful in pra- in, in games if we if we're forcing people to make decisions and the ball goes out for a corner it goes out for a goal kick or it gets a bit ugly the game gets a bit ugly too and we've got to be able to respond in those moments I mean, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I mean, Dan, uh, we've been going for almost an hour and a half now, man. So we're, uh, we're probably going to start wrapping it. No, Sorry. no. Is, are you kidding me? This is amazing. Like, I mean, I, Omar and I are probably looking at each other and like mental, the mental telepathy is like, when can we have Dan back on the show? Like, so, I mean, this has just been outstanding. My, Go ahead, Omar. Just to, again, I, I kind of want to just want show one part of my session real, real quick, just because I, I, uh, I, what I'm watching my sure. own session back. I was kind of I was frustrated with myself because now it's just like I didn't change up like it was it was a more so a pattern and somewhat of not a scripted outcome but like you kind of knew more like for example it was like one v one stuff and obviously you can find the entry guy here he can lay it off to me and for me instead of doing like ten to fifteen reps of this I probably could have done you know for me at least I probably could have done like six. So then they're actually seeing like, okay, you know, six reps could have gone perfectly. Uh, that's one of our equipment guys, <laughs> rough, sh- rough shooting. But for example, you know, <laughs> it hit the, hit the ball. Yeah. I thought that was me so, for a second striking the ball. <laughs> so again, no, but like, again, I could have probably done less and then probably still gotten the, you know, like the, the quality on this versus doing 10 reps so I can get six good reps. Does that make sense? Sure. But, but sure, I think- sure. Go ahead, Dan. No, no, no. I was, I was actually just agreeing with Omar. I mean, can I, can I add something, Omar? I mean, I, I'm not Dan Ball, but do you mind if I, if I add something right there? Uh, yeah, make on, it, on make that? it quick so Dan, so Dan can talk. Go ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you have to. Again, it goes back to like what Nathan was talking about—the demands of the game. Is that realist? Is that real? Is that realistic? I know you wanted to get high reps. That was kind of the. The, the, the whole kind of emphasis in your mind, your your point of view of high reps, but there's a point in time where high reps becomes unrealistic because it's not, it's not, they're never going to be in that type of, I really hope they're not. I mean, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen Vegas play a full 90 yet. <laughs> no, uh, I agree. I agree. So every, everything you're saying exactly. That's kind of when I, when I look back on it, it was like a minus seven. So we're out minus seven from the game. So I told the guys like, Hey, give me a specific topic because we're so far out that I want to really enhance that you guys have been looking to work on. So again, I, I wanted to get that feedback from them. They said one v one session. So I put obviously inside the eighteen certain movements, a combination where the finishing action was essentially like majority of the drill. Then later on, it became I backed it up a little bit more, and then I had obviously had them start a little bit higher so they can transition back to their goal. But then I felt like, hey guys, look, I know we're critiquing these one v one situations, but I could have done better as a coach to not have the same exact mentality on rep one by rep 10, you guys are exhausted. So it becomes monotonous at that point And you guys don't have that same focus. So what I could have done is lessen the reps, probably change the angles a little bit more, but lessen the reps. So now we can actually have a real discussion about your more or less fresh. Your mind is seeing a new pattern versus seeing the same pattern 10 times. 
Yeah. Well, we'll have a therapy session about that next week. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry about that. Uh, 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 that's all good. Uh, Dan, uh, while we're wrapping up right here, man, uh, first off, congratulations on all the success. Uh, not to you, just yourself personally. Obviously, it's a team effort uh, at Gotham. Um, you know, obviously carrying on the momentum from from last year uh, when they were sky blue uh, to, uh, to, to now, um, you know, just, I mean, to, to, to make it to the finals of the challenge cup that that's, that's not easy to do. Um, I don't consider it a preseason tournament. I consider that the start of the, the season, in my opinion. And obviously, you know, the, the beginning of the season is, is going in a, in a solid direction for you guys. Um, where's the best place for people to connect with you? I, there's going to be tons of questions. I know there is. So where's the best place for people to connect with you? Sure. I actually, um, Lloyd gave me a really hard time for having two Instagram accounts uh, and posting <laughs> very similar things on them both. So my goalkeeper Instagram is actually like on a bit of a hiatus. Um, so Twitter is is the best place at dbball29. Um, my Instagram is now not private, it's open. So uh, feel free to shoot me a message, reach out. And if you're ever in the in the New Jersey, New York area, you want to come to a game, then be sure to let me know and we'll figure out a way to, to get you in. Awesome, man. And obviously you can reach out to Omar. Do you have a Vegas Lights uh, email yet or or is it just Instagram still the best way for you? Just I know Instagram, you get so yeah. many DMs. Okay. All right. I've never <laughs> yeah. heard of it. I've never heard of it before. I think it's Pro G something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just go, just go on there. <laughs> uh, remember, contact at InsideThe18Media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion or at Goalkeeper Podcast. Um, if you want to talk about comedy stuff, check out all my coming dates, guys. I'm going to be going live, probably going up to NorCal, going down to San Diego, uh, hopefully out to Chicago this summer as well, too, at Michael Magid or MichaelMagidComedy.com. See, I threw in the plugs there. They have nothing to do Michael, with Michael, can I add something? Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, I, I, it's, it's well known that you guys are, have fought through a pretty tough time over the last you know year and a half. Um, and, and it, to, to be as consistent as you have been and continue to put out content and, and challenge what people are think and bring this to a forum that is free um, and, and bring some elite level professionals from all over the world with different perspectives, but then bring people from all levels, I think is a testament to, to you guys and the work that you're doing. So uh, I'm not too sure I can, can speak on behalf of the goalkeeper community, but it's the kind of thing that I would do. Um, and I'm going to do it and say thank you very much for, for what you're doing, because I think that it's much needed. And hopefully from the grassroots to the international level, people are going to benefit. So thank you. I'm, honestly, Thanks, I mean, I'm all honored, man. I mean, we put, we put a lot of time and effort into all of this uh and you know as, as well as omar does uh, on just on you know his separate channel the pro gk academy side as well too and uh you know i think honestly if it wasn't for people like yourself out there who are being open and honest and willing to share uh with the rest of the goalkeeping community i mean n- none of this would even be possible it would just be omar and i you know talking nba basketball for an hour and a half nope, nope, <laughs> which nope, we definitely nobody. we definitely could hold our own <laughs> no dan i think yeah. again again it's it's like we wanted for for at least my channel and i know for the podcast too like we wanted to create a platform where you know like-minded individuals and people who, who want to disagree on certain things the, phono- the philosophy in terms of um, how I've progressed as a coach if people agreed with me since day one I would not be where I am today I needed people to challenge and then be presented with new ideas and new thoughts even Anthony White the podcast I had with him he like you said earlier I actually what do you say aesthetic is an aesthetic versus the outcome and that's what that's what Anthony told me he was like I was a technical goalkeeper and it looked great, but then when I stepped on the field, it things didn't add up. So that's why I didn't make it. So again, you hear that perspective, and you hear somebody like um, their progression as a coach and their progression of, of their philosophy. And then as a coach, you go, okay, maybe I need to dissect my own philosophy and where sure. it comes from and how it came together. 
So for us, like this platform and hearing your story and, and all that and your progression as a coach, it's super exciting. And I hope everybody can follow you now um, for your, you know, your goalkeepers as well to see where everyone ends up. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah man. And uh, all right, guys, I guess uh, I guess that's all the time on Inside the 18. And we are out later, guys. Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to remind you all to rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Literally takes 10 seconds and immediately makes you eligible for prizes. If you don't have an iPhone, borrow a friend's iPhone. It's just that easy. Thanks for all the support, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. With me, you know her as 99 World Cup winner, Suskia Weber. Uh, <laughs> Suskia, unfortunately, we have uh, no Pro GK Academy Omar Zini today uh, on the show uh, as a regular panelist uh, because we have a very special guest panelist today we have las vegas lights goalkeeper coach whose name also happens to be omar zini i wonder if there's a relation Woo! omar is, <laughs> is there a relation yeah, congratulations there man i appreciate it i appreciate it i know the uh, omar who was from pro gk was trying to hide omar from las vegas for the longest time <laughs> but it's uh yeah it's, it's nice to finally be able to to tell people and get it out there and, and of course a lot of moving pieces prior to it so I'm just happy that it's kind of, you know, finally all said and done and, and it's official. Sweet. I mean, look, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know, Omar, obviously, you know, we've been we've been along this journey, you know, for the last couple of years and everything like that. And I know you've, you know, been hinting about it or just blatantly stating it on the show for the last couple of weeks. But uh, but now now that it is official, now that you've signed your contract and everything like that, I mean, is there a lot of weight off your shoulders? Kind of like, I mean, this this whole journey has kind of been worth it. Yeah, and I think you know um, it's it's been nice to to finally you know put all the pieces together. I think creating content is fun and uh, lesson plans are great. But I think you know at, at most coaches and teachers, I think in in any academia, I guess we all want to be able to follow up with our students and see them every single day. Um, so just obviously you know we create a, a bond with them, but also too we can see their progression. And I felt like with my own private stuff, it, it got to a point where. You know, I was applying a lot of the stuff that I was learning on these podcasts with our guests and it was only seeing them once, twice a week. And I didn't feel like I had that continuity. So now piecing it all together now and it's, it's just that excitement of seeing those same guys over and over and over every single day. And then, um, you know, watching film with them, breaking them down, seeing their tendencies, having those honest conversations, um, you know, whether the number one or the number two. Um, just having those honest conversations, I think you get to know them better as, as human beings. And I think that that's been the best experience so far. You know, it's 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 great that you're saying that because I think actually Suskia has been having a very similar experience this past year. Um, and I think, you know, Suskia, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I think that you didn't even recognize how much you missed that community aspect of being in that high level university environment or professional environment until you were kind of back at it. No, absolutely. You know, I agree. Like I, even when I was doing club, um, you still I still don't see the kids every day. So you know, basically being you know 
being with UCLA and just, you get to see their progression, like such a, like so much, it goes so much bigger and stuff because you're working with them almost every day, you know, and you see the team's progression. Um, it's, it's just, it is the best thing to be a part of. Um, Omar's going to do amazing. You're going to do amazing, Omar. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, Omar, I mean, I think, you know, obviously we're doing this a little bit tongue in cheek in regards to, you know, this whole thing. And we're like, hey, you know, now that it's official, did you want to come on as a guest? And you kind of laughed about it like that's a little, little ridiculous. But I, I think today's topic that we're going to kind of get into in a few minutes, you know, about creating your virtual resume, you know, is an important topic. And there's a lot of people out there, you know, who maybe are, are doing some things that are actually doing more harm than good for them in regards to their coaching careers. And, and I think you're a prime example right now. But like I said, before we got to get into the topic of somebody that took feedback, took notes from other people, and and was willing, willing to. And the dogs agree. The dogs agree because they felt that all those other people were doing things that were doing more harm than good. But then they saw Omar and they said, "No, that's the guy. That's the guy that's doing it the right Coco, way." Coco agrees. <laughs> um, but Mike, so I mean, up to you. But if you kind of want, we can kind of start uh, with just general questions or kind of like the um, just kind of the early days maybe of, of like the channel and, and social media and all that. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do that, man, I mean like by, by all means, you know, I mean, I, I, I only, you know, spent an hour and a half putting a rundown together, but absolutely <laughs> we can go, we can go. That no, that's totally cool. It's totally cool. Actually, Omar, we, that is in the rundown though. That is in the rundown. Omar, why don't you give maybe some people out there who kind of aren't familiar with kind of like your journey, how you kind of started out pro GK, you know, when, uh, when you were done playing and, you know, kind of, when you kind of made that pivot from social media, you know, uh, I don't want to say, you know, uh, hoops, hula hoops and fireballs, cause you were never that, yeah. but, uh, from, you know, from, um, flash to substance. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, early on in, in any social media, whether you're a small timer or a big timer, there's an, there's an algorithm that I think a lot of people like to follow. And, and early on, I mean, I got one of my channels taken down because I was following all these people and, and just making, you know, trying to get my follower count up to get my, my stuff in front of it, you know, as many eyeballs as I could. And, uh, you know, I, I had some success early on, you know, filming some stuff in my backyard. I remember one of my videos like past 5,000 views and I like sent it in my group chat. My family pretended to care as if those numbers meant anything to them. But to me, it was like, you know, I, I actually... Um, you know, improve the aesthetic. I was learning all these little things to to mess with the algorithm. And, you know, as, as people who follow the channel know, I started in my backyard. And then um, as the story goes, my buddy Armando from UC Davis, where we played together, he was uh, graduated and he came, he's from Ranch Cucamonga, so close to LA here. And he was like, hey man, like I know you just started these videos. I'd love to be uh, the demo guy. And and also too, I'm trying to get ready to, to play. So can I come out? And I said, absolutely, let's go. And obviously, the partnership grew from there, and, and the video started getting more traction. And um, probably like six, six to eight months in, Armando finally, you know, pulled me aside and he said, "Look, man, I, I'm kind of, I don't know if this is this is right. We're doing a lot of these videos, and after we get that one good take or that one good dive, we're moving on to the next exercise. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not too sure if that's the right message to send." And I kind of brushed it off. I said, I mean, I, again, you know me back. I was very defensive about things. And I was like, no, dude, this is, this is the way I was trained. This is the way I was doing it. And the views are up. So this is how we're going to do it. And probably, you know, another month went by and, and bless him for that, for that month. But after a while, he, you know, he finally blew up and we had this big, you know, argument at the field. 
and he was just like dude honestly I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of this like you you're so much better than this like the drills that you're putting me through are not game realistic and they are not making me any better and he's like i don't want to drive all the way out here and get worse and you're making me worse and I remember like kind of going like, screw you. You know, why, why, why would you even tell me that? Like, why, why, why would that, why would those words be uttered? And this is live, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I, and I just said, I just said, you know, and, and, you know, he, he really ripped into me. And again, he's, he's the kind of, those are the kind of people you want in your life who are, who are not going to just, you know, be yes, man. And, um, so then obviously I, I took the criticism and I was like, okay, maybe I start making better, you know, better content. So then we sh uh, switched up from just Instagram videos to more like session based where we actually create the session. And then from there, you know, we tried to, you know, incorporate it into, you know, game realistic drills. Um, but then again, you know, the algorithm that we all try to, you know, uh, play around with on social media it rewarded certain content and rewarded certain angles in the goal it rewarded slow motion stuff and um while you know i thought the content was getting better obviously uh, mike and other people who were in my life they they you know told me uh, otherwise and uh you know mike and i we we went to uh, a few conventions and the coaches conventions and you know some of the coaches had heard of me and, and again i was a little arrogant at the time and i was all like oh of course you've heard of me i post my sessions blah 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 like you know that's just how i was and i remember there was a there was a time we won't say any names but you know mike kind of pulled me aside and he was like hey dude he was like he was just said hey dude look you know, there, you know, there are certain people who, yeah, they've seen your content, but they, they don't respect it. They just see it as, you know, another person who's putting out content, putting out dr uh, drills, very self, uh, self-fulfilling. There isn't much else that's going to be helping young kids. And I was just, again, I was very defensive and I said, you know, screw them. I don't, I don't believe that, but okay, sure. And then Mike was like, no, dude, like, listen to me. This is like, again, that's why I call Mike one of my mentors. Like he really pulled me aside and he was like, I don't care how you're hearing this, Omar, but it's the reality. And you need to fix your your content if you want to be taken serious. And he's like, you can be a celebrity coach, but celebrity coaches don't they don't get opportunities because they're laughing stocks, not laughing stocks, but like they're they're seen as people who don't take their profession seriously. So again, that was a conversation that I I needed to have, and um, little by little, I started you know understanding um, how to create content that's going to be self-fulfilling in terms of like growing my name, but also to helping the young kids out there where, uh, Mike, Mike, you told me is like, you, you post stuff Omar and you know what you're doing, but these kids that are watching your content, mm -hmm. they have no context. They have no idea why you're asking a goalkeeper not to jump wide. They have no idea, um, why you're asking a goalkeeper to, you know, bring swings, you know, their, their knee on a cross and why they shouldn't bring the opposite knee. And, those, I guess, th those conversations were very, very, you know, crucial to, okay, I'm an educator, but I need to make sure that I'm educating in the proper manner so that these young kids um, go out there. And it, it's something as small as like saying, hey, guys, I did this set and today's session was high volume because these guys are in preseason. So then these kids now, when they go to their sessions, they're like, oh, you know what? Instead of doing 20 reps, maybe we do five, maybe we do 10. So just context like that. So Mike, you know, those conversations with you and other coaches along the way, really paved um, my understanding of how to obviously help myself and make sure that I'm getting better as a coach and, and my virtual resume, which will transition to the topic, but also to that these kids um, have some guidance. And I think that is what content creation should be about. I mean, look, I, first off, Omar, I want to say this is that we're going to, uh, 
we're going to uh, for for today's purposes, uh, we're going to remove the the two minute uh, warning that we usually give uh, guests when they've been talking for over five five minutes. I know. Uh, I was like, I was like, I, I was like, because hmm. I was like, I, by now, I, by now, Omar sent me a text saying, "Hey, when's when when uh, when when is someone going to when can I when can I get get a word in edgewise?" But but obviously, this is a proud moment for you, man, and we're we're, we're really happy for you. And so, we wanted to make sure that you gave that whole thing. You know, I mean, Saskia, I I want to you know say one thing you know to yourself is that. Uh, somebody like yourself who's been at such a high level, you know, who's played at the highest levels and coached at the highest levels and everything like that, you know, it's very rare that you, you, you come across content on social media and you go, Oh, you know what? I respect what this person's doing. And I feel like I'm actually going to share this content and, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, Omar's content is such that you are, you know, willing to share it with your, with your students, with your, with your players, that sort of thing. You know, absolutely. And, that it, I, you know, I see the content online and stuff and there's, I see Omar stuff and that it's in my saved box, you know, um, for me to go back and reference. And, um, if I'm looking for, um, kind of a session, like some, some new stuff to put into like any sort of session I'm building and stuff like I go to, I go to Omar stuff. If I'm, there's the other people out there that you just pass over. You're like, what in the world, you know? Um, but you definitely know the difference and the better ones stand out without a doubt. Yeah. And, and by, and by the way, you know, for those out there, you're in my inbox, you're in my save. Box. <laughs> I have more sessions now. I've I actually, cause I've been doing a lot more film <laughs> Ramadan's over. So I have way more uh, time and I've been cutting up the sessions and uh, nice. I actually, I want to share them with you guys. I'll share them. I'll share them after the, the podcast and you guys can just let me know what you think. Oh, you're not going to share them on the air? Are these uh, these unedited, un not ready, not ready for prime time? No, I mean, I, I definitely could. I just uh, up to you. Again, you're the one who's who's directing the podcast. So if you want to go that direction, we can. I was telling Saskia earlier. You know, um, as we're leading up to our big announcement, you know, at, when when uh, when that thing comes to pass, uh, we're all going to have to do one where it's where we're all the we're all the guests. So Saskia's next. And then, uh, and then either I'm going to have session. to MC myself or you guys are going to have to MC the show on me. That's and, fair. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do want to say this though, you know, uh, we've been giving Omar praise and that's great. That's wonderful. Absolutely fantastic. But I do want to say out there for those of you guys who are watching, it's not the Omar show. Omar's not the only game in town. There are other people out there doing good stuff on, on social media, right? Absolutely. Omar? Yeah. 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 And I think again, that's the, those are the conversations that, you know, I tried to pass on, you know, for example, someone like Connor O'Keefe, who, who's uh, to me early on, I realized that, OK, the, the follower count and the, the views aren't there just yet. But the content that he was creating, the, the best content doesn't get, you know, get gain the traction right away. Um, unfortunately, again, you have, almost have to reprogram those those kids and, and have them understand that you want to get better and you want to know the real life of a pro and understand that you need to actually sit down and, and actually digest this content and sometimes you know kids can stay on tiktok for two hours but watching a seven eight minute video about someone who is trying to make it to you know the top and he has a professionally and that story itself it gives you perspective of what does this journey look like if i were to try to you know try and do it as well so um i told him i said dude just take your time the the, the content is great and as you progress, you'll start to notice the follower count grow. And you obviously want quality, not quantity. And him and there's other people out there too. But for sure, him for me was one of those guys early on that I said, ah, you know, let me give this guy some tips to, to get him through 
uh, you know, the storm and caution through the storm. And after he got through the storm, look where he is now. So yeah, there's a lot of great content out there. Yeah, you know, and and I, I think you know uh, a conversation that Susky and I had in regards to this, and and we'll as we kind of remove kind of moving into that topic is that a lot of these people don't recognize Suskia, who's watching, who's watching this content. If you want to be a coach one day, you know, then who are you trying to impress? Are you trying to impress a five year old who doesn't know anything about goalkeeping and is and is in their foundational stage, and you're you're actually being a detriment to the development, you know, or are you? Or are you, you know, trying to show it to other professional coaches, you know, who could potentially lead to networking opportunities that could lead to a job for yourself, right? Like, Suskia, whenever you watch a lot of this content as a, as a professional coach yourself, when you see it, you know, it, it's going to leave a lasting impression for you on, on who you're re- going to recommend in the future. You know, let's say, you know, so-and-so is looking for a, a position, you know, and you and they said, oh, I'm looking at blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, I just saw their instagram and i don't think you want to touch that no and you and you have to be smart about what you're putting out there like excuse me it's going to be out there and for forever for a long time and you know you are going to be judged on it and you know if i'm if you're looking for a coach or an assistant coach or something and you're looking at the quality of their content or if you're looking at where to send your kid or um if you know, if you know the coaches of at a local club, if you're looking to um, just multitude of things, and and even if you're looking to, to educate yourself um, or your kids, then you know if the quality is not there, um, it's it's going to be noticed, and you're going to be judged on it. I, I mean, I trust me, I can tell you some things I've seen. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I always go back to the ball skipping off the water, and uh, the hula hoop is still my favorite. I'm like, but and 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 this is something that we've talked about so much. It's what are you like if you don't know what you're watching? Like, it's our job to educate properly. And so, if you if you don't know what you're watching, and you're a parent coming on there, you're a coach coming on that doesn't really know how to coach goalkeepers. You know, it doesn't matter if this person's got 1.5 million hits. It's are they actually doing anything? Are they, is it quality? You know, is it what we want to teach? Um, it might have been interesting or funny at that moment, but this isn't, that's not goalkeeping. That's not, it's not. So, yeah. so, so let's move into the topic. And uh, Omar, just like we tell all the other guests, um, you usually never have an issue stepping in. Uh, you don't have to wait for us to ask you a question. Um, <laughs> say whatever you want, whenever you want. I mean, you're big time now. You're, you're, a, you're a Vegas light. Um, <laughs> you're a Vegas light. <laughs> That was a good one, Mike. That was yes. a good one. Yes, you know. Did you write uh, everyone... that in your rundown? No, 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 no. And I will not be doing that uh, later today when I'm performing on Chirping Bird Comedy with Judah Friedlander. Uh, great plug right there. Uh, five o'clock Pacific time, seven o'clock Central time. <laughs> <laughs> also, wow. Rachel Fogletto is going to be there. Okay. Anyway, uh, I'll just almost... be sitting here moping watching the National <laughs> Championship. So. But, uh, so let, let's get into this topic here, uh, the virtual resume thing. Uh, Omar, in your opinion, uh, what do you kind of, you know, think of when, when I say, you know, creating a virtual resume? Um, for me, it's, it's what are your best ideas and what are certain things about you as a coach that you want um, others to know about you? And whether it's, um, you know, you're a good communicator. Can you hit bullet points in the way you, you know, you know talk to your goalkeepers? Um, are you good at uh, session design? 
Um, are you good at, uh, are the roles that you've had in the past, are, you know, you working with quality goalkeepers? And if you are, you know, what does a session design look like for them? If you're working with younger goalkeepers, what does, you know, technical foundation uh, work look like for them? So I think for me, it's just filming and getting out there your best ideas. And then from that, you get feedback. And then from there, obviously you refine your ideas. And that's what I did. I wanted to do is as many videos as I could. And I got as many good as many good feedback uh, points as I could. And then from there, as you can see where my content is now, it's a lot better than it used to be because I was able to just put it out there and then receive criticism and uh, act accordingly after that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely improved from like, hey, which save did you like more? Yeah, uh, it's definitely, def definitely move forward. Move it's forward. So cringy. It's so cringy. Like I, I, I don't I don't wish I mean, I, I think as as young you know, when you're growing up and, and all that stuff, obviously you want the attention, but then as, as you get older, that attention turns into respect. And I think you don't want to walk around your peers. And like I did at the conventions and after Mike, I thought I was walking around with the, you know, just feeling good about myself. And then Mike was like, yeah, you know, that guy that was smiling at you earlier. Yeah. He, he you thought he liked your content. Yeah. He came up to me afterwards and like, this guy's not, this guy's not it. And I remember going, damn, okay. So I'm like walking around the rest of the convention kind of going like, oh shoot, man, I've heard, I hope they haven't seen my content because I don't want to have to explain anything. <laughs> I just can't wait to finish this conference, go back home and film some brand new stuff. Um, but that's what it is though. It really is like, what do you want to be known for? And then put that out there. And if it doesn't get hits right away, as long as you feel comfortable knowing that if it got into the right hands, like Sasha was saying earlier, if I'm going to show your content to somebody, I need to feel comfortable knowing that's going to speak well for me. And it's also going to be, um, you know, speaking well for, for the team that's going to be um, looking at, at hiring you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, by the way, shout out to Stan Anderson from Camp Shutout who just joined. He probably just saw that I'm wearing this shirt and said, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to hop on this uh right now that's right i'm wearing this camp shutout shirt local plug anyway um Saskia, i think homar brought up a really good point right there and that's that a lot of young coaches don't recognize the fact is like whenever you put up anything if you're looking at using your social media as a resume let's say mm -hmm. well would you put on a piece of paper something that you didn't want people to hear about you a, a job that you didn't do well at or something you know uh that that isn't uh, for lack of a better term you know correct you know, so, so they kind of have to look at it that way too, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's a resume, right? So it's, yeah. you're putting it out there for, to, for me, whoever's hiring you to, to read through it and judge it and, and judge the quality of your content. And I should know pretty much immediately if, you know, if this guy, if this girl has it, if she knows what she's talking about, she knows what she's putting out there. Um, and sometimes like, like you said, Omar, I like what you guys brought about. It's not always like the perfect save. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, we did the drill. They made this upper 90 save or they made this save. Okay, on to the next. It's really, I, I'm looking to see if you can teach. I'm looking to see if you can explain what, what through your content, through what, you know, what you're trying to do, like in that session, at that moment, I, if you can break it down, but keep it flowing. Um, and that comes down to, you know, communication, footwork, like everything, whatever it is you're trying to achieve, how are you presenting it? And is it, you know, do I want to watch it? <laughs> so that's the other thing. That's that ed and ed ed educate. What do you call it? And edutainment. Edutainment. Entertaining while educating. 
yes uh edutainment but you know <laughs> but but i think omar i think that's that's one of the the pitfalls that a lot of young coaches fall under uh in regards to that whole edutainment they they, they gear more towards the the entertainment aspect right. of it because they're afraid that yeah. If they try to do quality work, it's not going to be interesting. It's going to be boring as opposed to trying to think outside the box and going like, okay, maybe handling's not the most exciting topic, but how do I present it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a case that's going to be engaging for the audience too. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's, that's honestly exactly what you just said is kind of a epiphany that I had was, okay, yeah, if I need to me, you know, create sessions that are more game-like. And there's a like, you know, a few, it's like a pass back or whatever it is. Like I, I can still make that look exciting. And I think that's where the creativity needs to come from. But the foundation piece of what you're building out of that needs to be, how can I educate people? Okay. Now that I have that piece of how can I educate, how can I make this not viral, but how can I make it edu uh, uh, educational, but also ed entertaining, but people have like very short attention spans. Right. So you need to make sure that, um, my, I call it the Twitter method, like I always say, but like the Twitter method of like when you speak to your goalkeepers, when you speak on camera, get bullet points. People don't want to sit there and watch you like how, how I do sometimes. Like I ramble. was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like compared to how I was. If you, like, don't I wish do his turn. five minute monologue at the beginning on your social media. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at like the podcast that I've done in the past, like I did ramble. And nowadays, like I try to hit certain points, but I'm not there yet. But I, you can see the progression, the natural progression that I've had and young coaches as well. Like, don't be so, don't be so afraid that you want to try and get a million views. And if you don't get it, then it's not working on anything else. Try to understand that you need to figure out how to articulate certain points in the quickest manner possible. And that actually is digestible for your goalkeepers on the field. And that's what you kind of have to do on camera as well. And I think with more and more practice, you get better. Sound bites. Exactly. I, I think, you know, Saskia, Omar brought up a really good point, and this is something that, you know, kind of I want to bring up with, with you too, is that whenever you film something, if you're a young coach, every time you film something, if your goal is to see, oh, how many, how many coach, how many high level coaches can I get to watch this? How many kids can I get to watch this? How can, how many parents can I get to watch this? Then you're doing a disservice to the, the, the people that you're actually running the session for, because that's the number one goal. The first and foremost is, serving your clients, the people that are there that you're educating, right? Yeah. I mean, I think Omar said it best. There's a way to, there's a way to do both. It's, it's, you know, and it takes, it takes, I think a learning curve. I think, you know, Omar didn't obviously from what he's saying, didn't, <laughs> didn't know how to present it right away. Um, and you have to kind of be willing to, to kind of go through that and step back and like kind of judge yourself and sit back and be like, all right, you know, there's got to be more, like, I have to think out of the box. There's got to be more way to put this content out there to, to teach and do everything, um, still entertain, but, but get the job done. Like that's what he's saying. And if you don't, and if it is, if it is long drawn out and stuff like that, you're going to lose, you're going to lose viewers. You're going to lose the people that you're trying to teach because like we've always said, and we have meetings and stuff like that. I'm like, guys, like, I'm about to check out this meeting. <laughs> like, my mind is, like, gone. And, 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 you know, I think it's, you have to look at certain things the same way with, yeah, and, with, and with coaching. To, yeah, no, to that point, though, like, again, when we you know, when we have discussed the content that we've seen, and sometimes we'll share it with, you know, within our group chat, 
I mean, I think at the end of the day, I have empathy, right? I, I, I understand, hey, there's an algorithm that you got to play around with. And why would you, you know, uh, change course if that algorithm is rewarding you? And, you know, there are certain people, again, who have been very transparent. They say, look, there's an algorithm. We're playing to it. But at the same time, we're throwing little nuggets of education in there as well. But that's how social media is. You have to post content that's going to get on the feature page. And it's just mm -hmm. how it goes. So I think that, again, like I said earlier, it is calculated, Mike, and I'm reading ahead your questions. But the, the, <laughs> the, the content is it is very much calculated. But again, you need to understand and audit yourself and say, what do I want to be known for? perfect. This is what I want to be known for. Great. This is my virtual resume. And then now that I know what I want to be known for, how can I get that on the featured page where the substance is the focal point? And again, that's where my content I feel um, has really improved um, in that sense where I've, I've said substance is all I care about. And now I'm like on autopilot. Whenever I, whenever I film something, I know exactly what I need to do, where the camera needs to go. But that's like four and a half years of work and, and, you know, over time. And again, that feedback. So if you're filming out there, guys, you're getting your virtual resume, it's not going to be perfect right away. Buy a cheap GoPro, just put it on a tripod. You'll figure out your angles. And then from there, you'll start to realize what's most important with your, ses uh, with your session design. And sometimes they're going to be part of your session that doesn't work. And if you film it and you actually go back and watch it, you go, oh my God, well, if I would have just put that there or this guy there, then it would have been that much better. And that's the other thing, Mike, that I don't think a lot of people talk about is we talk about watching film all the time, right? What are you doing in terms of watching film on yourself as a coach? And I think that to me is the, whether it's the session design, whether it's the coaching points, whether it's uh, the service that you have, all of that can be watched and, and really you can le learn a lot from your own content. I, I love what you just said right there, Omar. And, and Saskia, I mean, I think we've even had this conversation before in regards to the fact that like <coughs> how many coaches out there film their sessions to show to other people, but they never actually go back and watch their own sessions. And because they're not watching their own sessions and they're not looking at it from the point of view of like, okay, if I'm somebody watching this content, what am I getting from it? What, what can I, as myself, as a coach get from my own content, you know, then, then you're not, you're, you're not doing, um, for lack of a better term, getting the most out of, out of that film. <clears throat> well, I also think that to, to, there's twofold here. I think, you know, maybe in your head, you think the session's going better than it is. <laughs> um, or maybe the speed is, you think it's faster than it is. But I think you're going to see things. I think you're going to see things. Um, you, you could be working on, you can be working on one thing, but then notice that like somebody keeps making the same mistake with their footwork or, or like little things that you're not picking up at the moment, but to go back and watch it. Now you do see it. Um, Oh, you know, she, every time she comes off this angle, her angles really are off. Or every time we do this, or every time, or she's on her heels, or something like that. And by going back and watching, you could see that now. You might have missed it the first, the, you know, first go around. Now you can see it and you can judge it. Yeah, and and sus to to that point as well. I think I, I just did a film session this morning with the guys, and uh, we were working yesterday on uh, on on 1v1s and you know we we're talking today about when that let's say that ball gets played wide when that person takes a touch more you know laterally across the line do we step up or do we drop off or do we hold what if somebody takes the, the, the touch towards us do we step up do we hold mm -hmm. do we drop off and again it was just watching the film and the angle of the person's touch whether it was towards a goal or laterally or even back <clears throat> what what changes and again that was just a conversation and a dialogue that we had that we probably wouldn't have had uh you know if we didn't have the film and i think exactly. that again that's it's just super super important 
Yeah, and you know, and I think you know one of those things in regards to when you put these 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 up there, Omar, also as well too, is that a lot of the times, you know, the comments are going to kind of kind of give you an idea based on who's commenting what the direction of the content is, right? Right? Like you know, like if you if it, all the comments are like great save, how awesome or whatever, you know, which is nothing wrong with that, you know, from an eight or eight or nine year old. And then, you know, the, and there's a negative comment from a professional coach. Well, that's going to give you a, a semblance of an idea of, of, of where you're going. Yeah. I mean, understanding what your audience uh, likes to see, what they want to see is, is obviously very important because, you know, they're, they are your fans, like an artist, whenever they make yeah. an album, like obviously you want to make sure your, your core fans um, know what you're trying to do. Um, but I think m most of the time, Mike, the comments that I get, as long as I can articulate and give the context of what I'm looking for, whether that's in text uh, underneath the video or in this, the description box or by, you know, audio of me doing voiceovers, as long as the, the players know what they're working on or what I'm working on with them, then the comments have always been for me at least um, positive. The only times where they're negative are when they say, hey, like, we have no idea how many reps you're doing. We have no idea this is preseason, postseason, offseason. We have no idea any of that. So you need to give us context. And I think from there, that's, again, that feedback is super important. And then for me, too, where as a coach, I go, damn, before session sometimes, I just tell them what we're doing without telling them the objective, um, what I'm looking for, what they should be looking for from themselves. And I think that, again, filming and getting all that and reading yes. the comments and getting the feedback from the goalkeepers, again, is, is huge. And that's where... Um, the content creation side of it really, really starts uh, hitting certain demographics. I think that's. I think it's really important that you say that. Like, I don't think a lot of, uh, you know, if you're content creators out there, and and you're you're getting your this all together for yourself. I think it's really important to uh, to explain why you're doing the drill. At what point, like the load. At what point in the season it is, and everything. I train a couple. Like my. The sessions I have with my keepers are totally different in preseason than halfway through the season or towards the end, like completely different, um, you know, and, but there's, but you have to explain those things. There has to be like um, a dialogue in the sense of why you're making the transition when, and, and because for people watching that you're educating, they'll understand or, or if, for, if it's a, like a resume issue, now I get, okay, they get it. All right. I'm watching this content. I'm watching everything. This is their preseason content. This is, you know, kind of how they would load the keepers throughout the week and stuff. Then we're rolling into the first game and everything like that. How are they how are they training keepers now? What are they focusing on? Because like towards the middle of end of season, I pretty much know what we're doing. Like two days before a game. Like my goalkeepers yeah. could do the session themselves by now at this point. And it's this and like I'll tweak it a little bit here and there, but it's they're on a rhythm. So I think those are important things to explain in your content. Yeah, and and to to that point, I think what I told the, I told the goalkeepers today, I was like, honestly, because I've like came in as a goalkeeping specialist and, and like how much this is like in my DNA of breaking down film. Um, even for example, one of the kids that I, at uh, LA, LAFC, the Las Vegas Lights, he was like, and what coach? Like I, I hey, you don't want to get in trouble. Make sure, make sure that you <laughs> call the affiliate Las Vegas Lights, right? I know. He, he said he like pulled me aside. He was like, coach, I saw your Instagram post this morning and I literally felt like I was listening to you talk because the way that you wrote the caption is exactly how I've heard you on the field. And he's like, I never, I didn't expect you to say the exact same things that you write in your descriptions that you do at practice. And I think uh, another, another beautiful like side product of all this is the fact that when you are in, in involved in the social media game, 
you need to make sure that the content that you're putting out, whether it's written or video, it's 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 all substance. People only have a finite amount of time and you need to make sure that when you have their attention, you're it's like you're hitting, you're going, you're going. It's like a comedian, Mike. I'm sure you understand this. And go, 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 go. You got to keep hitting them. And then whenever I'm in coaching now, I'm realizing, okay, like I need to make sure that I'm hitting every single mm-hmm. point. And if I don't know how to articulate that, I can be patient and go back to the film versus just talking to talk. And mm-hmm. I think that, again, that's a big improvement that I feel like when you film or when you do social media, you start realizing what is the just the stuff, the fluff that I don't need? What is the specifics for these goalkeepers to walk out and go one, two, three, perfect. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I think that, again, you get that as a content creator because you need to go with the algorithm, which that's the only positive side of it. But also, too, you can also create the algorithm. You can really, really have big influence on what the uh, social media people um, are, are attracted to, I guess. You know, you bring up something really, really important right there, Omar. And this is this is a conversation that, that Suski and I have had is in regards to authenticity. And I think we even posted a clip last week of Mirza Harambasic from Real Monarchs, a rival of your guys in Las Vegas Lights. <laughs> so I don't want to give them I don't want to give them uh, too much uh, credit. But uh, but him talking about the authenticity like and and, and Suski, you know, it's so important if regardless of whether you're on the field or on social media that you're presenting yourself honestly you know and 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 be because players players can tell when you're being inauthentic yes i'm like yeah, i don't know i don't know where else to go with that i wasn't sure that's what you're like weird rhetorical Question. Oh man! <laughs> the, the Omar was talking about the timing thing. I did not have the timing down on that one. That like, that's sure. like one of your rhetorical questions. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, but no, but Mike, again, that's that's where, like, I, I again, whatever you do in life on a personal level, professional level, you got to make sure that you're comfortable with how you're being portrayed. And a lot of times, you can't control that narrative. But luckily, with social media now, we can control the narrative if we want to. And again, I'll, the quick story, Mike, and I'm I hope people at LAFC <laughs> don't mind. But they when they when they called me, they said, "Hey, you know, we we got a referral from uh, from your coach at Cal State LA, and he obviously told us that you had a social media, and we we watched a lot of your content." And I said. Okay. And he's like, Omar, we're very thorough here from top to bottom, from the head coach of the first team all the way down to where, you know, the the staff who scouts. We all watched your content and we realized, okay, this is like, you know, very much in in the direction that we want our goalkeepers to play. And the footage that you have is is, you know, that's what we're looking for. So again, that that to me is like, yeah, I have people who are vouching for me, but now they're actually seeing content that right. that, you know, that justifies that. So I think that again, that's that's very important of how do you want to be portrayed and right, don't go oh, ahead. No, but I think that that's that, that I think people are learning that across all industries at this point as well. Like what you put out there, people are going to look at. Yeah. And so, and, and if, you know, if, if you put a bunch of party pictures and crazy stuff on, on your social media, but you're trying to get a corporate job, you probably might not get it. Like, yeah. like how do you want to come across? How do you want to be portrayed? And I've had to go through this with my social media because before I got back into soccer, I hosted nightclubs and ran nightclubs. And so it was like, well, what do I want? You know, this isn't, this is now it's all soccer and everything. And, and I've also learned like what I put out there stays out there and people look at it and people comment on it and everything. And so it's, I love the fact that now people can go and they can see your content and everybody can watch it. And it got you this job. It's one of the main reasons, you know what I mean? It did. You're, yeah. you're, it's quality. And 
they they have the time to sit down and see your content to hire you where as opposed to walking into an interview you could tell them what you do right but they're not to see it is different and i think that you know that and the quality of it well For now sure. you're a light <laughs> <laughs> um i, I want to talk about this i want to talk about engagement because uh this is i think something that can really help coaches if they do it properly, Omar, uh, on social media. And, and that is, that is the comments. That is the networking. That is the following the right people, asking the right questions, as opposed to like trying to get so-and-so to follow me just because I want to show everybody that so-and-so follows me, but more fo following them, asking them questions and then developing a relationship with them. How important has that been for you to, to kind of connect with these world-class coaches on, on social media? Oh man, it's, it's honestly been everything. Um, I mean, as, as you guys know, a lot of the coaches from the MLS have been very, very you know open, especially during uh, the pandemic. I had a lot of interviews with them. And like I said, there was a lot of self-fulfillment on my side in terms of the questions that I was asking. Cause I was like, well, if I ever got an MLS Academy job or something in the MLS or LAC, uh, LAC or USL, like I need to know some of these answers so that I'm not there just to fake it to make it. Like I need to know at least something about these these questions. And I asked them all these questions and they, you know, they were very open and willing to give me those answers. And again, for me with the, the presence on social media, like not only did those questions help me, they helped other coaches because as as we all know the go the coaching world whether it's goalkeeping or field player stuff, we all are very we have a small opportunity to get our our foot in the door. And we need to make sure that we capitalize on that and seize it. So we need to make sure that, and, and a lot of questions allude to all of us. They all they all help all of us. So not just helping myself, but helping the other coaches out there with the questions um, has been amazing. And the coaches send you footage, man. Like people are so open um, that I've, I've realized how, how much they want to be like, hey, uh, this is not the greatest quality, but here, send it. I'm like, you're the coach in the Premier League. Like you're top. Why, why are you even apologizing? That the, the session might not be great or the footage might not be great. I literally will watch this, put it on a big screen, get popcorn on a Friday night instead of going out to Saskia's clubs. Like I'll rather do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and I think that that's been also too, Mike, those, those, those relationships. When you start realizing that like the big name, small name, we all started somewhere and we all started trying to build our name and our, and our resume out. And once you slowly like make your way up, you start realizing there's going to be somebody who's at the root of where you were and how can we help you out? So, you know, as you guys know, like I've been helping Mike on watching his film because he's on his way up right now. So just yeah. want to, you know, help, help everybody else out there. Lend, let's extend the olive branch a little bit. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Omar, thank you for spending all that time with me because I, I've been starting to try to work with U7s. And uh, <laughs> honestly, your session design on negative to positive movement was just so beneficial when I worked with that six-year-old. It was just such a, such a treat. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. But that's a, that, that, that is a good point though, Saskia, is that you've got to recognize when you're putting stuff up that you've got to put the context into that and like, who this session is for and what level this is for. Because if you're posting mm -hmm. something and you don't give that, there's a lot of people out there who are going to, I'm making that joke right, right. there, but are going to do that negative to positive movement session with a six-year-old. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously they're not at that level at that point yet, but for the people watching and trying to learn and get content to, like I said, whether it's a club coach, it doesn't know how to go coach goalkeepers or your parent or the, the you know, kids themselves, they have to know what's, What's for them? I would say there aren't that many. I mean, there isn't like there isn't like you know six year six year olds over here and everybody else over here. Obviously, you want things to flow and you want to keep the same narrative um, throughout your coaching and everything. But you know, there are some. It's different. 
Yeah, Mike. I mean, again, that that's um, I, I Mike. You know this. I posted a video uh, with this young kid that I trained, nine years old, and he was he's amazing. So I was like, ah, okay, maybe I bypass some of the technical aspects because he's guess good on camera. You know, he's going to be one of those kids who's legit. So I posted it, and then um, some guy commented. He was like, uh, I think I don't know if he was from the U.S., but somewhere else. He's like, with all due respect, like you know, I I like your work with older players, but you have absolutely no idea what you're doing with younger goalkeepers. Like this is completely wrong. You're supposed to be working on the technical foundations. Uh, blah, blah blah blah. Like really, I mean, really went at me. And this was like you know, like probably almost a year ago. So I remember when I heard it, I was like, dude, what are you talking about? And then I let it. Like I was like, okay, let me give empathy here let me see uh, understand where they're coming from and i was like dude you're so right like i needed to understand like what where he was coming from away from the anger away from the way the the uh, word choice he had and then i said damn that that's so true a lot of kids who aren't this good or coaches who have these goalkeepers aren't this good they're gonna try and 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 work their goalkeepers through a session like this without any success and they're gonna ask themselves like why isn't it working so you again that mike you talk about context Like something like that, where I felt like over the last few years, I've learned, I've learned, I've learned. I posted something that I thought was going to be great. A lot of people liked it, but this one person who the negative had so much truth to it versus the positivity of like, hey, this kid's great, all that. That one negative comment made me reassess and reprogram how I saw um, running these younger, uh, younger sessions or sessions with younger kids. Because, and that goes back to, I think also what we're talking about. I was like, yeah, you had a great keeper. Right. But what is our what's your goal here? Is our yeah. goal to highlight this great keeper? Is our goal to teach how other keepers can become great, you know, and how they can get to that point? Yeah. So, you know, that's you have to make that decision. Maybe down the road you say, Hey, all this work you've done, this is where you can be. You know? Exactly. Now, Omar, did you did you want to share some some of uh, some of your clips for maybe uh, for the four people who've never been on Pro GK Academy before who are watching this this show right now or uh, or listening to the podcast um, or should, uh, <laughs> should we save that for a di- save that for? I a think we day? should have a show about it. No, I mean I can I can do it real quick. I mean, okay. <laughs> no, I'm I'm definitely down for that. Like, so. Totally- yeah, break down Omar's Omar's content. Omar, <laughs> oh, 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 you oh. mean like a reaction video? I'm down with that <laughs> yeah. too. <laughs> uh, we'll both have our popcorn. Yeah. And like just the thumbnail will just be both of us like. Yeah. Yeah. Can you see? That'll be it. Uh, hold on. Let me put it on the screen here. Yep. I can see it. Okay. So, I mean, again, I, I just, I'll just try and run through it. So we we're doing one V ones yesterday. So something like this, again, activation, I'm trying to understand what are the principles for one V ones for me, it's fast approach, slow arrival. Um, this, ball gets is, played uh, to, this is LAFC too. Yeah. Like ball, get, ball gets played to the wide channel. You have to move quick from your, uh, from, from your spot, get into the best possible position. And once you get there, you need to make sure your body is, is stabilized. So again, here we're working on just like stepping forward, getting a volley, recovering, and then, uh, um, from there, you know, slowing your body down and getting a, a pass back. So, yeah, you can see that there's a lot of wind. It was raining yesterday. Some of the volleys were a little bit off. Oh, we stop it. <laughs> so, so, so that was my activation, right? Mm-hmm. So then we step into um, the goal. Again, we had one of our equipment guys helping me out. This one as well, I could, you can see here, I can play to Alex, who's one of our goalkeepers. He can combine with me, but it's still activation where the goalkeepers are moving from the center position to the wide position, uh, which is a, the one of the final pictures that we're going to see. So again, it's, it's just making sure, again, the, the the pictures that we're trying to get, as, as Phil Wedden used to tell me, he said, what is the final picture and work backwards from there? Omar, thank you for sharing this. I'm going to do this with the seven-year-old tomorrow. So, thank you. <laughs> so again, that's... Uh, 
So then, yeah, this person, this person can turn. And you add, you know, you add a bunch of little things to it. And I think from there as well, we're showing them the picture from inside the 18. And right. Shameless plug there from the 18 and in. <laughs> and then now you'll see here my next part, wide to central combination. So now it's a little bit more a play. So again, they're making those small little uh, decisions and getting, uh, before we do the big, big picture, they're getting an idea of, you know, what a striker could potentially do. So then we did, again, you can see here. Uh, that was Omar, terrible. Omar, can you give this whole description again, but with an English accent so people take it seriously? Can you do that? <laughs> no, but see here, again, ball gets played wide. Just the goalkeeper's having to do different movements. So again, oh, now we move on to here where the ball starts from the central. And now they have a target man here. I could play him or I can play the ball in behind um, the, the back line. And 70-30 sometimes or an opportunity yeah. for the striker to actually get there. Oh, look at that. <laughs> he just wanted to show himself. He just wanted to show himself <laughs> making that strike. There's a lot, there's a lot different than that, that, that high, high school field that you used to be at Omar. I'll I know. <laughs> I know. But yeah, again, so this is, this is for me, you know, um, I want to make sure the goalkeepers are actually seeing, you know, a good amount of, of realistic stuff. Cause I want to be, I mean, I need to be taken seriously as well. So I can't be putting on these sessions for the camera and then come out to the field and, you know, tell the goalkeepers that, Hey, we're judging you off of the sessions that I'm putting you through when they're not game realistic. Right. So again, as best as we can, just trying to do combination play. And we all know it's not going to be realistic because our services aren't going to be as clean as the strikers. But again, the pictures are what we're looking for. And again, do the opposite side. And yeah, these are the conversations we had today. So even watching this, you know, he took his touch more lateral. Does that mean you step forward or do you hold? And I told Duncan, who's our, one of our goalkeepers, I said, he took the step, you know, his touch lateral. You're six foot seven, advance your position a little bit more so that if he does, you know, put this in the far corner to your right, right here. If anything, and you're leaning the opposite way because you think a right footer is curling, you can get that, that right leg trailing with you. But you're so deep and now you're a sitting duck. You know, so just stuff like that. And I, I mean, that's, that's, you know, pretty much how the session went. Um, but yeah, that's to me again, when I, when I put those sessions together now, I'm again, like Phil Wedden, who's, uh, you know, one of our, you know, favorite guests, what do you want the end picture to look like? What are you replicating? And now make sure everything before that, whether that's the movement, whether that's the touch, um, whatever it is, make sure that's illustrated in the uh, activation phases. I mean, I absolutely love what you were just showing right there. And even even just during that raw footage, we saw just how engaging the content was in regards to we saw from an editing standpoint how you can take that material, put it in the proper context, break it down in a way that's going to be extremely beneficial to goalkeeper coaches, parents, goalkeepers, all, all the different likes. Really, really great stuff there, Omar. And, and I mean, again, uh, just again, for anybody who's creating content, like I whenever I do my lesson plan. I, I exactly how I would write my post. Like I said, I'm saying you need those those repetitions. So whenever I would sit down and write my post, I wanted to make sure that I, like Mike says, clear, concise and direct, like everything needs to be ready so that the people can digest it. So when I draw up my sessions now, like I don't have time for anything else. Like I'm specific of what, I, what, what are my objectives? What am I trying to do? How can I relay that in the best way? Boom, set the camera down. I forget it's even there. And now all I worry about is, you know, making sure the session goes according to plan. And that's that's what it is. You a lot of the work, and Sasu can agree to this as well, Mike as well. A lot of the work that we do is not even on the field. It's like eighty percent of it is actually making sure 
we draw the session out and how organized can you be? And that takes discipline and that takes stubbornness to never, you know, veer off the, the schedule. You have to be stubborn and disciplined to make sure that happens. And you'll start to notice which, which coaches mail it in sometimes and which coaches are actually out there intentionally trying to get uh, better with their own sessions. Yeah. It's funny that you said that Omar, because there's a lot of great coaches out there and there's a lot of people doing really great work out there. And, and unfortunately a lot of them are not getting the love that they deserve. Um, and, uh, and like we were kind of talking about earlier, you know, on the show, you know, that there's, there's a need for this type of content out there, um, for younger coaches or even older coaches, parents, players, there, there's definitely a, a real need about that. And, and it's very difficult a lot of times to find this type of content. And, uh, I guess I might as well say it right now, guys. Uh, for the last year, we've been working on a really secret project. So secret even that uh, even the two of them right now have no idea what I'm talking about. No, uh, they're <laughs> very, very aware of what I'm talking about here uh, right now, guys. And uh, we can't reveal all the information right now, but uh, but we do want to definitely officially announce that, that we've been we've been working on something. That's why you have, have been seeing weeks where there's only been one podcast or there's been a repeat or, or something like that because we've been extremely busy with this. And uh, Saskia, why don't you kind of kind of break what? down you know, kind of the reason that kind of this <laughs> happened and, and kind of how this all started? Well, I mean, I think it comes from actually our conversation kind of today. Um, it came from uh, the, the, the reality that the quality of content out there was wasn't where it should be and the the people that do have quality content and what we were talking about um kind of fall in on fall into like the abyss of it um and it's kind of, and we we really wanted to get together and, and put our brains together and find a way to to highlight and find a, a platform basically for everybody out there that wants is serious about goalkeeping is serious about um, coaching. It's, is really needs to wants to educate themselves and stuff. They have the right place to go and they, and they, they're not fishing through um, stuff that they don't understand. This is yeah. this this is vetted. This is made sure this is the top of the top, the best of the best. Um, and we've, we, we were always making jokes. Like I always make jokes about like the flaming hula hoop and stuff like that, which there isn't a flaming hula hoop. It's just an exaggeration, but I'm sure everybody out there understands. And it's just like, you gotta be kidding me because if you have people out there that don't know what they're doing, but want to learn and coaches out there that want to learn how to coach goalkeepers, we want them to know the right things to look at and the right places to find it. Is that a good way to tell? We, we our no, idea? I, 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 think, I think it is. And you know, I mean, it, it I think, you know, one of the things that, that really this, that was, was not, not going to happen unless we got some of the best, you know, best and brightest, you know, inv involved in this project. And I'm not just talking about the best and brightest in the goalkeeping realm. I'm talking right. about some of the best. And, honestly, guys, we're just, we're just so fortunate just to be a small part of this project. We've got some of the best and brightest in, in the world of business out there. Um, we're talking about, you know, uh, owners of, of, of professional teams that you've heard of, uh, major, major people in venture capitalism. Um, and, and people like, like Omar themselves, you know, your content creators who, who are really going to knock this out of the park and, and Omar, why, why don't you kind of a little bit go about what kind of brought you to this project? Cause I know obviously you're part of this podcast and everything like that, but you know, when we, when we came to you with this, this whole kind of project, you know, which I think it originally came from a conversation that, that kind of, we had together, uh, something that you, you pitched to me and I said, you know what, I think we can even take it further. Um, you, you know, what, what excited you about it? Um, I think, you know, obviously the community aspect is is the biggest thing for me. And as you know, Mike, I mean, 
my evolution into where I am now, like I really do value substance and I really do value meaningful conversations, um, whether on a personal level or, you know, professionally. And when it comes to, to goalkeeping for the longest time, you know, a lot of content, people who are, you know, bringing out substance-based content are competing with people who don't have substance-based exactly. content and we're losing. And unfortunately the community is suffering because of that. And I don't want to make it sound like super, you know, sad or anything like that. Or <laughs> gloomy. But it, that's just a reality. And, if, and of course, you know, we want to make sure that on the you know, men's and women's side, the American goalkeeper and goalkeepers all around the world, you know, they're benefiting from the proper content where they don't have to go out there and look for it, but it's actually on a platform. So when we discuss that, I think our, in terms of our uh, morals and values and ethics about goalkeeping, it all aligned. Um, and to me, you know, it was, it was an easy decision. So I'm, I'm just excited. I think the community aspect is the best part, too. Like you said, Sask, you don't, I mean, you're literally going to be with everyone who loves goalkeeping and mm -hmm. you're going to be sitting there watching content from vetted creators who are actually bringing you the content that, you know, they probably wouldn't have, you know, they probably haven't posted because of the yeah. algorithms that they're having to um, compete with. So I'm um, super think, excited. And I think also now you're going to know quality and you're going to, you're going to have access to maybe these coaches that you didn't know were out there that you, you know, um, that, give you also different perspectives, but um, just the content is at such a high level. Um, and now it's, it's all right. It'll all re be right there for you at your fingertips. Yeah. And la last thing I'll say too, and like I said, with um, the content that I've created and whenever you create, just have the best intentions possible and don't be, don't let it be so, uh, um, you know, I say self-fulfilling, but like, don't make it so that everything happens that you are the only person who reaps the rewards, whether that's viral content so that you make more money on ad revenue or our sponsors want to, you know, touch you and get, get, you know, um, get you in whatever. Uh, I can't even say the right words, but essentially just making sure that you're actually making content for everybody else. And I think this platform for us gives those creators the opportunity to go, you know what, I don't have to sacrifice my integrity, but I can actually use that integrity to, to not only help myself, but help the whole community. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and I think one one thing that you you just brought up right there in regards to the whole community aspect is so 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 important right here. Um, when when we're talking about this project that's coming up, guys, this is not the Omar Suskia Michael project. This we are a small we are a small part of this, and there are so many people behind the scenes that you may you may never you know never meet you know as as a user as an engage as an engager who who are so so integral to this. And honestly, the number one person, the most important person in this entire project is the user is the client themselves because uh without the goalkeeping community this project's not going to happen um you know I, I again i don't want to give away too much guys but this is a brand new social media network just for goalkeepers and this is going to be i honestly i'm getting a little a little excited right here are you I'm getting emotional cry. i'm about <laughs> to cry but uh i think that this could honestly revolutionize the way that that we uh engage with with our entire goalkeeping union absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely well said yeah yeah um, well, yeah, Mike, and, and, and again, I think Mike's crying. To I guess I guess you know close off the topic, Mike, and probably like sign off. I just will say if you're just getting your content creation and and you're just getting out there and doing all that stuff, um, just make sure because there's going to be you know the uh, the the storm is going to come where mm -hmm. you have one good day on social media and then you try to replicate that and then nobody's watching. So what I will give you my best advice is make sure that you put out content that you're proud of.
that if no, if all else fails, if your parents are just like, hey, we're not trying to watch this today, or like your family's like, nah, we're good, that you are proud and you would sit there and watch your own content. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, like I said, before I got big, I had to sit there and watch my own stuff. And at the time, I loved it. But now when I look back, I'm like, oh, God, thank God people, you know, steered me the right direction. But there will be opportunities for you to unfortunately, you know, veer off path. But if you love what you do and you're willing to take feedback, you will grow. Trust me, you will grow in this game. Yeah, you know, and I think that's one of the things that we're trying, we're going to try to do with the platform too, as well as that not not just obviously our verified creators, but also you know the community aspect as well as well because there's going to be a forum where people are going to be able to share their own content and and communicate with each other and and and, and start these discussions and yeah. and watch games together and everything like that and and honestly, guys, the whole idea, the reason that we're bringing this is I'm going to start crying again, is uh because um it, it's not good enough out there, honestly, it's not good enough the. The, the platforms that are available to us is, is not good enough and it's and it's created for a lack of a better term a, a lot of negative stimuli towards the the goalkeeping position and uh, and, and honestly we're just trying to do what we can to help uh, uh, give a um, a platform an outlet for 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 the the best voices out there and for you to keep growing and, and shout out to Elijah Gallegos by the way on YouTube it just says I truly appreciate everything on this channel because I know goalkeeping is an area I need to grow in. Thank you guys for what you provide for the soccer community. So uh, we want more Elijah Gallegos to be able to keep learning. You know, I mean, that's really exactly our point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Really, really the reason that, uh, that we're having on, on it. And so, and, uh, and again, guys, I don't know how much more you want to give away. Cause uh, you know, no, that's yeah, enough. <laughs> I think we're good right now. We're good. Yeah. We'll keep hitting on it as um, the week's, do it whittle away when we get closer and closer you know it's yeah. driving me crazy <laughs> i know, I know. I, i'm so bad at keeping secrets it's so yeah difficult. i know i was like how much is mike oh. gonna keep spilling right now <laughs> yeah they're like they're like geez louise uh just you know. say it well i mean it was like omar and his like the worst kept secret in goalkeeping history <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but there's other there's other people there's there's other people riding on this one, so I don't I, I, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to spill anything. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble with some of the uh, the big wigs behind us, uh, <laughs> behind the project and everything. Um, yeah, guys, so so check this out. This is uh, hopefully going to be launching um, this summer, and um, and and check out everybody's social media. And I'm sure you're going to be. I, well, okay, I'm not sure. I know you will be hearing about this uh, very 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 soon from uh, a lot of different places. Um, all right, guys, uh, as we start wrapping this up, first off, Omar, thanks for taking all the time as, as a special guest for us uh, on this uh, on this lovely, lovely show. Um, I, I want to say this. I want to say that, uh, honestly, I could not, um, you know, I, I could not have uh, been able to even fathom something like this unless I, I met, you know, two people such as yourselves, uh, both of you. Um, Saski, I know that, you know, we go we go way back to, uh, you know, to, to back when you were doing the television show. And uh, and I met you. I, I have a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. And I met you through the comedy world, uh, ironically. Mm -hmm. And then Omar, I, I I you know I met you you know when you were uh, you know a, a chubby ten year old you know getting chipped uh, <laughs> from, from, from the top of the eighteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. But uh. But it's just this is how small the goalkeeping community is, guys. And uh. And this is um. 
And this is honestly uh, the way the way these types of things happen. And uh, we're hoping more uh, partnerships like this are going to be created uh, with this platform. So, uh, Omar, if more people want to reach out to you uh, directly, where's the best place on the platform? To, no, I'm totally kidding. Uh, where's the <laughs> best place for them to connect with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's social media. Um, and when the project uh, comes out, only on the platform because, hey, <laughs> that's, where, that's where I'll be majority of my time. But, um, but yeah, we're excited. Yeah. So, and then obviously Saskia underscore Weber on all social medias right now. And then her new, uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Handle, uh, when the platform is, is out. And then obviously at Michael Magid uh, for everything that has nothing to do with the platform. And then I think I might go into hibernation and, uh, and not do anything on social media until this thing is out so that people are wondering where's Michael. And then they have to go on the platform. Um, <laughs> No, contact at InsideTheEighteenMedia.com if you have a guest suggestion, topic suggestion, or want to get a little bit more information on what we're up to. We will be uh, releasing uh, information. I'm sure we'll be doing news releases and stuff uh, in the future. Um, that's all the time on Inside the 18. Keep uh, keep growing that goalkeeper union, guys, and we are out. Take Later, care. guys. Get out of here!